Coming up this week, off screen. We take a look at our top 10 favorite movies of 2018. All those to come and more, off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Ooh, I can offscreen. I'm Van Connor. I'm Kelly Needham. So, Miss Needham, what a year it's been. What a year. I know. And I'm back. You are back. Yes, yes, you are. So, okay, well. <laughs> Logistical issues, well, we've got you back. So, we've got you back for the good stuff, and we get to wrap off the year with you, which is awesome. So, Yay, lucky me. We have, we've got ten, uh, ten amazing movies to talk about in the yes, show. Yes, indeed. Uh, we've got more than ten amazing movies. We can say those for the podcast extras. Honourable uh, mentions. Honourable mentions, indeed. And, of course, those we've sadly lost this year, uh, yeah. which is really just an excuse for me to, to cry over Stan Lee again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we should... Just up front, say, oh, by the way, the podcast edition is on uh, Apple Podcasts, ACAS, Spotify. These are all the good ones. Podcast platform preference. I wasn't going to try and say that again. From where, from wherever you acquire your podcasts, uh, we're there. We're there. We're, we're there. We're you in. Find we're us. in. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we need to stress, this is not the 10 best films of the year. Yeah. These are our 10 favourite movies of the year. Yes. The, the 10 rewatchable, really entertaining, great movies of the year for us. Not the academic best. Don't be expecting to find, like, Roma in here. And, we ain't got time for that. <laughs> yeah, there's no Roma. <laughs> there's no hard-hitting drama in here. These are just these are your popcorn-friendly, fun movies. One or two of them are a bit grim and nasty. Mm. But you know what? There's there's something of a rewatchable you know, experience to them. It's yeah. all about the experience rather than the film itself. So uh, on which note, shall we, shall we kick off? Yes. Let's get it done. Number 10. I am indeed. I love your books and your TV show. I'm concerned that artichoke soup is sad, but if we use this as a base, we can make individual sformato. Come on! Sformato and Limoges? Aren't we gay enough? Dear Erasmus, this is your grandson. You have a grandson? It's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, look, I've had no work done. <laughs> so at number 10, it's Ideal Home. Ideal Home. You, you saw this, I believe, I did, as well. Did, did you like, were you a fan of this? I did, I enjoyed this. Was it have anything to do with uh, full-blown hipster mode, Paul Rhodes? It might have, because he does look damn attractive he's, in this I mean, film. he's ageless. <laughs> he is. Uh, he's, yeah. he's Benjamin Button <laughs> he as really we speak. Is. And he makes a pretty damn good-looking hipster as well, doesn't he? he? Does. With, his, uh, with his hipster beard. With the big beard. beard. Yeah, and, his, and, the, and his, the leather jacket and, and the neckerchief. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. forgive you. I forgive you, Paul Rudd. So I was a big fan of Ideal Home, uh, in which he co-stars with uh, Steve Coogan. Yes. They're a couple. Paul Rudd is the producer, and and Steve Coogan is the star of a Mexican-themed cooking show. Yeah, he's like a chef, famous chef, isn't famous he? Famous chef, so... Erasmus. That's yeah. His name. I forget his... Uh, Brumble. Erasmus Brumble, that's his name. Yeah, standard name, you know. Standard name. And I thought Steve Coogan was terrific in this. He was brilliant. It, I'm, I mean, I'm not the biggest Steve Coogan fan in the world. I'm not. I think he's a bit up himself yeah he does yeah. he comes across like he's 
Yeah. Possibly not a very nice person. <laughs> but, you know, who, who knows? But he played this really character. well, didn't he? But it? he's lovable in this. He's, he's like a lovable rogue. You know what I mean? Like, you know <laughs> yeah. you're supposed to dislike him and hate him for he's certain elements. But he's a handful, yeah, yeah. but enjoyable handful. Yeah, and of course the plot of the movie is that they Erasmus's grandson, whom he is has never met, he's estranged from his son anyway. I think he didn't even know he had a grandson. Exactly. And the, the, clip, wasn't it? the grandson turns up one day when the when the son's son got arrested to, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, really, really good movie. Um, I, I wound up watching it just a, like a dozen times. I wound up keeping just accidentally seeing it. Yeah, like every now and again, I'd be looking for someone to watch it. Would just, I would just have the disc there. Or something. Oh, I'll stick on a deal hole for half an hour. Home. And I loved it. I thought Paul Rudd absolutely brought it. I thought he's heartbreaking at times in this movie. Oh as yeah, well. um, in ways you don't quite expect of, of Paul Rudd in an out and out comedy. And yeah, it was really great. I think that's the great thing about Paul Rudd as well, though. If you want comedy from him, you'll get it. And you'll get it in spades. <laughs> but he can do the serious stuff too. But it's not serious and, and kind of the draining bore kind of way it's, it's serious in a compelling yeah. believable kind of way so yeah it's a good I mean, film one last thing on Paul Rudd though the one thing I do love about him in Ideal Home mm-hmm. is I love that he's really only playing Paul Rudd it does feel like, that it, way it, it, is, it, is, it is just like oh come on I mean you heard it in, you heard it in that clip it's like oh you're not gay enough yeah. you know, it is Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd but exactly. within, within a very specific set of circumstances yeah, for yeah. which he's really good yes so and that takes us accordingly number nine so, what do you say? What do you say? It wasn't the buyer, but he gave us a contact. The fence. So, that guy was in the fence. I thought you said he was the fence. I guess not. We just... We spent $500 on an email address. Oh, all you have to do is contact this guy. And he says he speaks English. What? Yeah. You say he's... Let's go get some food. Come on. I'm freezing. Uh, why wouldn't he speak English, Warren? Warren. And number nine, it's American Animals. Bart Layton's uh, follow-up to Imposter uh, a few years back. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see Imposter? No, I that don't was, think so. It's a really messed up. I think it's on Prime. It's on Amazon Prime, okay. I think, now. Uh, this is the follow-up to and it follows a very sim- similar uh, sort of a setup where it's half documentary, half narrative feature. Mm-hmm. And, of course, based on a true story because documentary. Uh, and here, well, he's gone and gotten Evan Peters from, um, Ameri- from American, Horror, American story. Horror Story. So he's yeah. tra- traded in the horror story for the animals. So he's sticking yeah, American. Well, you know. um, and Barry Keehan from uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer and Dunkirk mm-hmm. and you know the weird looking dude the weird looking kid <laughs> you always remember him um, both excellent here mm-hmm. as effectively uh, college age uh, American uh, American teens who really are just bored with life and decide to have a heist that's what you do. Decide you know. the way they will achieve the American dream is to rob this really relatively low security university book a uh, book repository in the library where this the the study of American birds the classic uh, painted work is on display and they they try sure. to nick it. Um, a lot of the hu- you wouldn't think documentary would lead itself to being enjoyable, but the whole thing here is you've got the real guys providing the talking head segments. Yeah, that and they then queue up the actors to do the really wacky stuff, which we're then told in cutback is yeah, that's all absolutely true. That so absolutely it's, it's like a really well done version of those typical American shows where they have the reenactments. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> your Dateline specials. Yeah, exactly. Know? It's one of those. Um, really well directed, though. Great performances, particularly from Evan Peters. I just the apathy in his eyes, the just sort of self-loathing that's that's built into him. Great performance. I he never plays messed him. up so well. He really does. I, particularly here, I've never particularly rated him as an actor outside of this. I, mm. I'm not an American Horror Story fan, admittedly. Um, How dare you? I, know, I can't get into it. But uh, the films I have seen him in, though, I, 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 I do think, okay, there's a spark of something there, but he feels kind of lazy and phoned in, like the X-Men role. The X-Men like. was not a good day for him. Well, I mean, to be fair, the X-Men movies aren't particularly good for anyone. But, well, uh, true. You know, I, I, I don't think he fares very well, but I don't think anyone does. No. Um, so here, it's it's nice to see him get a role like this here, where he's really genuinely good. Mm. The film is really suspenseful. It's really funny. It's uh, almost sympathetic. You almost want to see these kids get away with it, but because the documentary exists, you kind of know that they can't. Yeah. You know, the documentary element kind of starts off by Spoiler. saying... Spoiler. Well, it literally <laughs> opens with saying, look, these kids got caught. We didn't know what they were up to. Yeah. And that's the and I kind of like that about it. It is a film that does tell you the ending up front and said, "Right, you want to know how we got there, don't you?" Like, hell yes, I do. And and that is the beauty of American Animals. Say, so Bart Layton did a hell of a job with this. It has made me want to go back and rewatch Imposter, which I yeah. thought was great when it came out, but that was a lot more of a darker, more uh, suburban thriller-like kind Ooh. of a story. But the this same setup, so half documentary, you said. Half documentary, half live action. Uh-huh. If you've never seen Imposter, the whole thing was a family lost their young son Mm -hmm. and then one day years later they lost him in Europe I think years later a much older when enough time had passed an older French guy turned up speaking with a French accent claiming to be their son they knew he wasn't and they just allowed him back into their lives as as one does it was a really messed up story I think it was like 2013 loved that at the time Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of American animals accordingly and uh, yeah so that is a number nine of this year with the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back with more from our 10 favourite movies of 2018, Ms. Needham. Excellent. So, uh, shall we, we continue this show? Go on, then. Number eight. Well, I'm not risking my life to prevent some rednecks from lighting a couple sticks on fire. This is the job. What's your problem? That's my problem. For you, it's a crusade. For me, it's a job. It's not personal, nor should it be. Why haven't you bought into this? Why should I? Because you're Jewish, brother. The so-called chosen people. You've been passing for a wasp. White Anglo-Saxon Protestant, cherry pie hot dog white boy. Hmm. That's what some light-skinned black folks do. They pass for white. Doesn't that hatred you've been hearing the Klan say, doesn't that piss you off? Of course it does. Then why are you acting like you ain't got skin in the game, brother? Rookie? That's my business. It's our business. So number eight is Black Klansman. Which I saw again last night, and I absolutely love this movie. I, I've seen it, I think, four or five times now. and uh, I, I, I've seen it only once, but I do want to watch it again. It's absolutely brilliant. It's, uh, I think it's Spike Lee's best movie in... Uh, well, certainly since Inside Man, mm-hmm. I think. Although I, I do think Chirac, or Chirac, whatever you want to call it, I think that was pretty good as well, which was kind of the big hip-hop musical, as ah. it were. That, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, but 
uh, I think it was very underrated. Uh, Black Klansman, though, one of those, was it this joint is based on some for real, for real shiz, I believe is the <laughs> yes, term. I love, that. Uh, I love that. I think the opening with Alec Baldwin as the, you know, the racist, uh, like, clan-like lecturer. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. thought that was really well done. The footage of the, all the bodies after the Civil War. Yeah. It's a really strong opening to a film that then just goes briefly bonkers. It does. Dis- despite the fact that it never stops apparently being accurate. So it's, it's a very hard watch, I would say. When you get to the end... The end is particularly difficult, yeah. I mean, we do we need to talk about that ending, actually. That's but, an amazing uh, end of that. But the film that before then is it's just this, this really almost surrealist, satirical, funnier-than-true-life kind of true story about, yeah. you know, the black policeman who infiltrated the KKK. Yeah. And in one spectacular moment, poses for a Polaroid with David Duke, which for that my money... hilarious. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> How good is Topher Grace as David Duke, He's though? brilliant. He's I think the guy suffered from playing Venom. <laughs> you know, that's really sort of tarred him. But, but the first Venom. The first, the first Venom, Venom should I say. Yeah. Which, <laughs> Venom clearly is a character that should just be left alone. Yeah, maybe we should never, <laughs> never do Venom yeah. again. You but know. I think he really, you know, he was in that 70s show, so he obviously got a sort of, sort of He's got pigeonholing timing, from that. I think, but as well. Exactly. But this has really redeemed him, I think. I think Brilliant. so. I, I also am a big fan of John David Washington, son of Denzel, oh, as uh, as Ron Stallworth, the, the central character of this. And I think he's got a great rapport with Adam Driver, who Adam I also Driver think is really is good. Brilliant. Uh, I just thought the film was absolutely tremendous. It's uh, I say I saw it when it came out for review. Uh, I've watched it a couple of times, like since it's been on home platforms. I've uh-huh. watched it for my own personal enjoyment since, and then last because it's obviously it's Christmas, so you know you watch a lot of films with the family over Christmas. And Black Clansman is one. I'm just adamant oh, we have to watch Black Klansman and um, it, it goes down well everyone I know who's seen it has loved it like there's yeah. no one's no one's disliked it or even been less than fully on board with it everyone seems to have really loved this film I think it's the end but uh, genuinely I think it that, is that even if there are parts in it because it is you say it's bonkers it is it's, it's, <laughs> it's sort of ridiculous in times <laughs> and even if there's parts of it where you think oh I'm not quite sure what's going on here or that mm. end just yeah, it's, brings it's you back round. It is a sledgehammer. That is a great way to describe it. Number seven. Leave me a message or text me back. Hi, sweetheart. Um, just checking in because it looks like you already left for school this morning. Hey, Margot. Dad again. Why did you leave your laptop at home? I haven't been able to reach Margot. Wait, you can't find Margot? Study group only went till nine. She said it was going all night. No, she definitely left at nine. Authorities are asking anyone with information to please call the hotline or 911 immediately. Update me whenever you learn something. Did she mention anything unusual going on lately? We're not really that close. You guys are friends. Kind of. She has friends, right? She keeps to herself a lot. She's quiet. I did see her eat lunch alone. On Thursday? Every day. And number seven, it's Searching. Did you get to see Searching? I saw it with you. Oh, you did? Of course we did. We loved it, didn't we? We did. Yes. Sorry, we saw that and Mamma Mia back to back, didn't we? And Mission Impossible. And Mission Impossible. That was a long night at the pictures, it was wasn't it? A long evening. <laughs> didn't I just text you like six o'clock? Like, do you want to spend an entire evening at the movies tonight? And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Evening well spent. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. Like, was that, was I think if we hadn't ended with Mission Impossible, I probably would have wanted to kill you. Because <laughs> after Mamma Mia 2, I was ready. Yeah, I, was I know. Ready. You, you really took objection to that young Colin Firth, didn't you? <laughs> I did. But uh, back to searching, which, um, funny, funny story about this. Um, recently, we were offered for awards season. We were offered at Movie Market an interview with John Cho. We didn't wind up getting the interview in the end, but as uh-huh. part of it, Calvin had to watch Searching. Lucky and 
as uh, one of my great moments of all of this was was getting texts in real time from Calvin as he's watching searching on his uh-huh. TV at home. He's like, "Wow, they're they're really just doing up with people at the beginning of this. <laughs> they're really doing the opening of up." Calvin came away and thought of it as I think he called it the second best film of the year. Wow! And uh, there's an argument to be made. Like academically, this is a you know this is a great movie. It is a tight, suspenseful thriller with great performances. Yeah. It's really well executed. The whole thing takes place on and, MacBook screen. Well, that's the thing is it's a complete gimmick, but the gimmick works. Yeah, exactly. And um, this thing is as well. This gimmick had been done. Yes. Like the Modern Family episode had done it. We yeah. had uh, Nacho Vigilondo's uh, Open Windows with Elijah Wood. Yeah. A couple of years ago, Elijah Wood and Sasha Gray. Let's never forget that. <laughs> Elijah Wood made a movie with a porn star. Um, you know, of course he did. It's, it's been done, this concept, but to do it with a story this well told. And, and it's been done with horrors as well. That's yeah. the thing. Oh. When they've tried to build the suspense. Is it Unfriended? Unfriended. unfriended. Or, or, or one of those kind of Facebook type. I think it's Unfriended. And then there's Unfriended Dark Web. Yeah, sure. Which I don't think I saw, sure. and I'm not in any great rush. Well, to. those had really put me off this, and I mm. thought, oh god, this is going to be awful, and you know they're not going to be able to pull it off. But actually, you were pleasantly surprised. I was I pleasantly believe. surprised. Yeah. And how good is John Cho in this? He's, he's great. He's absolutely great. I'm and is such it Deborah Messing from Will and Grace? Deborah Messing from yeah. Will and Grace, and she's had a great year. It would seem. Like, yeah. I mean, Will and Grace came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will and Grace then came back for a second series of its, you know, now being back revival. She got some great moments in it, and then she got to be in this exactly and she's great in this too who knew like deborah messing i mean i know uh, j-lo starring in that movie second act i think deborah messing should have had that one just for the title alone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah at number at number seven was it and number seven it is. is searching and we cannot recommend it highly enough number six as a quadriplegic must be frustrating for you someone who likes to get things done with their hands Here's the thing. Four guys murdered my wife. If I could find these men, I'd do it. What if I told you I could offer you something that would enable you to walk again? I call it STEM. A computer chip that has the potential to change everything. It's a new, better brain. I am STEM. The system operating your body for you. At number six, it's Venom! <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing, because this came Townland out... Tom Hardy. It, it did. It's, it's, it came out, what, six weeks earlier? Something like something that. Something like that. And it stars a dude who looks an awful lot like Tom Hardy. So much like Tom Hardy. It does. And I, I had to tell my mum, we watched the trailer one day at my mum's, and I was like, you know that's not Tom Hardy, right? She's like, wow, okay. Then again, my mum thinks Rami Malek is Bruno Mars. What? So, yeah, I have to... I, in order to, to explain... What? I can't say Rami Malek to her. I have to... To say not Bruno Mars in the same way that she <laughs> doesn't right, know who that one's insane she doesn't know who Luke Logan Marshall Green is so I have to say not Tom Hardy yeah well that was so, fair enough I, I get that one which made reviewing Upgrade a lot of fun um, Upgrade follows a very similar template at times to uh, to Venom yeah, I guess which it is does. you know it's the guy who looks like Tom Hardy who gets taken over by you know another entity which may or may not be all good and yeah I mean in this case he's a man who's paralysed in an attack that kills his wife yeah. and then gets the computer chip that can make him walk again uh, that replaces his sort of central nervous system and exactly. allows him to walk but it's alive and it has an AI called Stem it can control his body and make him an awesome fighter well that's the thing it's the fight scenes in it are amazing. They're they are so brilliant. mechanical, they're biomechanical. They're, mm. They they work. They're believable. Really believable. That's the thing. Is his face is completely deadpan. Like he's 
like what on earth is happening and yet his body is doing it, all these amazing moves he plays it so well he like does. he has mentally shut down yeah like his brain is not running the show his body is yeah and it's so well executed the story I mean the story's quite basic when you break once you get past the AI bit and you just get to the revenge plot you know mm. it's, it's your basic you know fugitive punisher type kind of we've story we've seen it many times before law yeah. abiding citizen and yeah, punisher exactly like, yeah. yeah we've seen it you know we've I've got it. the names on a list I'll scratch them off one by yeah. one um, but at times it also comes quite close to being a sort of contemporary update of Robocop, almost, I guess as well. So, yeah. um, to the extent that I do desperately want to see what they would do with a Robocop 2. I really do. <laughs> really? Uh, there's, kind of, there's kind of a sort of new status quo at the end of this for a potential sequel. That is true. But I do hope we never, ever see it. I no. think Upgrade I, uh, is The thing is, awesome. is, I disagree with you in that I didn't enjoy this ultimately. No. I thought the, the first two thirds were fantastic. And I watched this with, with my other half, John, and we loved it and we were kind of engrossed and then it just kind of went nuts and we really lost it with it we That's were like it. I'm bored of this now in fact I remember him texting me during it yeah. um, I, I think I like the Gonzo style because I think that by the time it goes completely all off kilter I think it's earned it mm. I think it's earned that by the time you've gone by the time you get to it yeah. and I think the, the the tone of it and the sort of the snarky sensibility of it and to the, the general nastiness of it kind of give way to let's have fun with this and let's just see how far we can push it and it does and it really does yeah. it really does it's a brutal film at times it like is it's very violent very um, violent but also very funny i think exactly as well. yeah it's, it, it is it's fun and it's enjoyable and i think you know as much as i didn't ultimately enjoy it i probably will watch it again I think so. It is. It's a nice trashed at your sci-fi thriller kind of yeah. thing, and it comes to us from Lee Wanell as well, which I didn't know until I sat down to watch. Love the a film. bit of Lee Wanell. I do, and uh, you know, you look at I can see where you get this because James Wan made Death Sentence, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, very early on, which was a more conventional uh, action thriller. Both obviously came from the Saw series. Mm. James Wan had gone and done Death Sentence, and he's now gone into a lot more standard Hollywood terrain. Yeah, he's Fast gone and Furious, very Aquaman, Hollywood. things like that. <laughs> very Hollywood, you know. And, yeah, so it was like, what what could Lee Wanell possibly do? Because he seems to have stayed quite close to horror. Yes. When was he going to try and cross over? Mm. And this is his crossover effort, and I think it's a damn good one. So at number six, it's not Venom, starring not Tom Hardy. It's Upgrade, starring Logan Marshall Green. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back with more of our top ten favourite films of 2018. Ms. Needham, shall we, uh, shall we continue the countdown? Aye. Number five. So your family is, like, rich? We're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would say. It's not a big deal, obviously. I just think it's kind of weird that I had no idea. I mean, you have a Jamba Juice card. You use my Netflix password. You play basketball at that Y that kind of smells. I really like that place, thank you very much. And yes, my family has money, but I've always thought of it as theirs, not mine. And at number five, it's Crazy Rich Asians. You thought I was mental when I told you that this was an amazing movie. (laughs) Well, I thought, you know, it looks fine from the trailer, but I wasn't expecting anything, you know, particularly. You did have a good time, though. It was fantastic. It really was good, wasn't it? I absolutely loved it. 
I watched it, because I, 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 it came with so much hype out of the US. Yeah. And I, think was, I think that was the thing. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's too hyped. Whatever. Yeah, everyone was, I'm like, it really can't be that good. It's a bare bones, basic ass rom-com. Yeah. How good could this possibly, and then you sat down and watched it, like, oh, okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, rom-coms are so predictable, aren't they? And this, you know, to a certain extent, it's very predictable. Well, but it, it does so much more with it. I mean, that's the thing as well, because it is a rom-com, but it's also kind of, it's only half a rom-com. It's also yeah, half a family comedy exactly. as well. And also, it's kind of a little bit of a sort of uh, fish-out-of-water comedy yeah. in one sense. And I loved it. I mean, even though neither you nor I come from Asian families or, no. have, or have spent more than a you know, passing visit to Singapore, we don't really know that culture. No. And the film sort of set us up for it so well. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we, we, got, we, we weren't pandered to with the ind- individual little nuances of of the, the culture. Um, things like how they regard single men, yes. etc. Yeah, um, yeah. The, ter- the terms they use, expressions, certain behavioural tics and quirks. Yeah. Um, they don't stop and explain those two. They just kind of let you get on with it. And actually, the way that they unfurl is kind of naturalistic to the extent that you do something. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense to me. I understand what she means when she says that. Yes. Exactly. And, okay, this is clearly just how single women of that age carry on. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Um big fan of Henry Golding in this. Yes. Like, I think he was the discovery of this movie. Like Very beautiful as well. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just putting it out there, I really want him to be Batman. I don't know why. There's just something about him where I want him to be Batman. And Even more than Gabriel Max. Well, he's, he's aging out now. I guess he he's is. He's aging out now. We've tried middle-aged Batman with Batfleck. He <laughs> just doesn't work. Batschlub. Batschlub, yeah. Um, but this is one of those films where it's impossible to pick your favourite performance from it. It's true. Is you it, did ask me this. Yeah. Um, is, it, is, it, uh, is it Michelle Yeoh? Is it uh, Ken Jeong? Is it Aquafina? Is it Jimmy Yang? I think it's Aquafina. I'm going to stick Aquafina? with it. That, that's what I said last time. I think oh. I'm going to stick with it. And I find her generally very annoying. I can take or leave her normally, but I think yeah. she's great in she's this. She's brilliant and in this. Lovable. Yes. That moment, though, when she sort of drops her off at the party. Yes. Is, I think, just absolutely the standout scene in the so film for sweet, me. So sweet, like, Do you want to come? Nah, I couldn't. No, not really. Come in for a drink. Oh, yeah, I'll come. <laughs> yeah. I've got a dress in my boot. <laughs> yeah. What were the... She has outfits with different terms on them. Like, was yeah. it a walk of shame, clubbing... <laughs> Got your party, <laughs> and she wears the clubbing one. <laughs> you know, you got Loved it. it, and she does this all in the hot pink uh, Audi R8 as well, which yes. I thought was a really nice touch. Um, really love it. I, I thought it's brilliant. Just film. a great movie, really great brilliant. soundtrack as well. Yes, made out it's got of got the uh, kind of Chinese language Chinese covers. language covers. Yeah, exactly. Eighties? Is, is it not specifically eighties? Not specifically, pop song, no. But uh, it's brilliant. Seems to be, there's a heavy emphasis on '80s girl pop songs. Yeah, and then I think for some reason towards the end they do Coldplay, but uh, Coldplay's Yellow. But uh, <laughs> well, yeah, when in Rome. and uh, just everyone thinks of Coldplay in rom-coms. Yeah, anyway, um, but yeah, I just thought it was really great. I thought uh, it's sort of heartbreaking, and you'll laugh and you'll cry. And hands down, best movie directed by John Chu. So I'm just going to say, spit that one out. And, oh, fair and, enough. Yeah, I mean, he's got something else on, I think, for the next year, and then he's doing two sequels to this back-to-back. So we're getting China Rich Girl and whatever the third one is, I forget. But, no idea. Uh, you know, but I know the next one's called China Rich Girl because I'm, I'm putting money now on the poster being red instead of teal. So, ah. ah. Yeah, you see? This is one of those movies as well where Hollywood really doesn't have to worry about it making money in China, although the first one of these did bomb. Did it? So, this, this bombed in China. So you would think, in terms of crafting movies for Chinese audiences, this mm. should be a shoe in Hopefully the sequel actually being set in China might. Perhaps. So yeah. we shall see on that one. But yes, at number five, that is 
Crazy Rich Asians. Number four. You don't think I can beat him? Is that what you're trying no. to say? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm not going to be here forever. And what's that supposed to mean? It means you got to do some smart thinking. Oh, you want to talk about smart decisions, Rock? You in this house all alone. Who been taking care of you? Me. I've been here for you. Who else you got? Listen. I'm taking this fight with or without you. And number four, it's Creed 2. Which is a Rocky sequel that reduced me to emotional rubble. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, and I mean, no, genuinely, I sat at the back of a cinema for this. A little bit away. Rel- relatively empty screen, a couple of people in there. Um, and uh, I just sat at the back on my own, and I, I was just in floods of tears at the was end like, of this. like ugly um, cry. It, it was just, oh my God, this is so moving. And mm-hmm. I want to stress as well, I mean, because this is the last one of these that's going to star Stallone, that, that does not mean that Rocky dies or anything. Don't Because they tried that trick with the last one. <laughs> they tried the whole Rocky sick in the last one. No, they're not following that up or anything. Don't worry, it's just, you know, there's a very emotional beat to the end of this that just absolutely destroyed me. Um, I will say as well, I mean, this is outside the context of the film. Uh, there was a little girl sat on the, uh, uh, on the, on the row in front of us and she was, I think she might I've been about 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she I think she had Down syndrome. She was with her, uh, her carer. Mm-hmm. And she loved this movie. Mm-hmm. She ver- verbally, vocally, loved the hell out of this movie. Aww. And absolutely heightened the experience for me. Absolutely made an already great movie just a little bit more Just seeing somebody me. enjoy it so much. Yeah. And I don't know why that keeps happening to me with Stallone movies. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's gonna. Because <laughs> we had... I think an entire care home uh, visiting the cinema on the day that we saw Escape Plan years ago. Oh, really? And they all sat down the front and they absolutely made that experience amazing because when a film has those, when a Stallone movie in particular has those really naff cliche plot moments, oh, yeah. they will call it out. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> but this Perfect. little girl was so sweet about it. She was just absolutely made it just such a wonderful experience. But the film was tremendous. Um, I think Michael B. Jordan, top of his Having game. a good year. Having a damn good year. Top of his... I mean, he is because he's in the next film as well. <laughs> top, of his, top of his game. Tessa Thompson. Is there anything she can't do? Apparently she can Apparently even not. be Halsey now. Yeah. So that's a thing. And Stallone, who never skips a beat as, as Rocky, he just absolutely brings the emotion to this. Brings that... Genuinely needs subtitles for the man. <laughs> he's got that, that, that really great mentor persona down here. And I think he's mm-hmm. tremendous in it. Um, I just think that the, the film really works. I didn't expect it to. I mean, it's not got Ryan Coogler coming back. I forget the name. Stephen Capel Jr., I think his name is, has directed this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's got the same kind of flair. That uh, that Ryan Coogler brought to the last movie, and he brings the ferocity and the fury, and yeah, I loved it end to end. I loved this film, and by the end of it, I was uh, let's just say emotionally distraught. An absolute wreck. I mean, like I say, I have galactic sized daddy issues, so maybe not the movie <laughs> for me to watch anyway. We do not have the time nor inclination to explore that. Mr. No, Connor. no, no, we don't. No, we don't. In which case, let's let's move on to the next. Michael B. Jordan movie. Number three. Queen Mother, Princess, a comfort for your loss. Thank you, Nakia. 
It is so good to have you back with us. Take her to the river province to prepare her for the ceremony. Yes, General. Did he freeze? I can antelope in headlights. <laughs> Are you finished? And number three, he never freezes. It's Black Panther. Right, did anybody see Black Panther turning out to be this damn good? It is so good. It really is. I mean, I've, it, it came out in February. Now, this is the best I can't part. believe it came out in February. It feels like two years ago now, doesn't it? Because I think yeah. we've all seen it to death now. Yes. And, and yet, will continue yes, to. You will, won't you? You'll have, it's on the Sky Cinema like every second day. And I will watch at least 15 solid minutes of it every time I come across it. At least, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a tremendous film. I, For my money, could be the best Marvel movie. Like, academically could be the best I, Marvel I movie. I think it is. Mm. I think it genuinely is. And then the stuff, stuff in there, I love the whole Afrofuturist uh, concept of mm-hmm. it. I love that they've lent so hard on that as well because you could yeah. have soft-pedaled that and maybe played a bit more to the American heartland and the flyover state but they didn't they just went no no we're making a Black Panther movie let's actually make a Black Panther movie let's lean into how mental and sci-fi and James Bond this thing is absolutely and and I tell you what we'll we'll throw in a couple of still images that are really going to remind you of the Lion King as well like the rock when they've got all the village on the all the uh, all the the villages on the rock face kind of thing that literally still even just thinking about it gives me goosebumps and so many just great moments in it. I mean, everything. Winston Duke as M. Baku. But again, like Crazy I mean, Rich Asians, who's your favourite? Yeah, exactly. You can't possibly pick. Is it Killmonger? Is it Shuri? Is it Nakia? Is yeah. it. Or, or is it the Black Panther? <laughs> or is it Black Panther himself? Is it Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa? I think he's great. And everything Fantastic. about the movie's great. I also really love it's a movie called Black Panther. And who are the stars? Pretty much every girl who's in it. Well, yeah. That's what I loved about this movie. Genuinely, before Christmas, my mum, she was plotting something and she was texting my other half and said, who's Kelly's favourite Marvel female? Yeah. And and then my immediate reaction was, well, I don't know, because I don't really like Black Widow. And then I was like, <laughs> Black Panther? But I love them all. Is it Shuri? Is it... Oh, oh, just generally with, Black Panther. <laughs> did you go with the Dora Milaje, I think they're called, the, uh, the, the, the Kingsguard? I actually went with Shuri mm. in the end. Interesting. She's okay. amazing. She was great. She was really great. And I particularly love that line sort of towards the end. When you said we were going to America, I thought you were taking me to Co- Coachella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really love it. Um, amazing script to this. Mm-hmm. Um, really gorgeously directed by uh, Ryan Coogler. Um, Andy Serkis gets to be Andy Serkis. We actually get to see what Andy Serkis looks yeah. like for a change. I mean, Who knew? And uh, because you can only have what because you can't just have one Tolkien white guy, you've got to have Martin Freeman as well. <laughs> well so... Tolkien, I love that. It's never getting old. <laughs> Tolkien white guy is never getting old. Um, I loved everything about this. It's got probably the best villain any of these movies have had. Yes, because um, you're so like torn because you kind of agree with him yeah. and then you don't agree with him. But well, that's the thing because in that way that Thanos and I think that's the deciding factor. So, yeah. I mean, Thanos, you you know, is a villain. Like you yes. never, even though you understand his motivations, yeah. he's the villain. Yeah, yeah. Killmonger, you're kind of like, yeah, but I partly want you to succeed. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and I love the way that that performance is structured that performance starts off quite uh, 
I'm going to try and play like that scene in the museum when he's in yeah. the, uh, the the denim jacket and the, he's got his little pineapple cut, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> which I keep calling his little pineapple cut. Yeah. And, uh, Descriptive. Yeah, and he's and he's little circular, and he starts off quite young, playing nice here, mm-hmm. and then just goes vicious and doesn't let up. And I think it's it's a villain performance that seems like kind of the well, I suppose kind of the the clever person's version of Nicolas Cage in Face Off, but yes. uh, yeah, kind of like that. Just yes. a whole. I really love you, except I kind of want you to win. Yeah. Yeah, I loved everything about Black Panther. I can't wait for Black Panther 2. Oh, um, me neither. I know it won't win uh, Best Song at the Oscars this year now because Mary Poppins exists, but I really wanted All the Stars by uh, Kendrick to win uh, Best Song for this. So good. Uh, everything about the movie is terrific. It is just the perfect superhero movie for this year. There have been multiple times where I've kind of, like you, it's been on in the background. Yeah. I've got drawn in and just watched the entire thing from wherever it was at. I, I can't stop. That's the thing. And, and we're saying all this, and we both know deep down as well that actually, if you get get into it, some of the special effects don't work, for instance. I don't care. But you don't care because the movie's that good. Yeah. You're just like, I really don't care that that just looks like a rubber man running up the side of a building. Yeah. You know, I don't care because the movie's that good. Also, Danny Guerrera as uh, as Okoye, I, yeah. I, I think, abs- needs more work, like just more action Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Because she's got action lead chops. She has. There. She really has. They could easily do a spin-off about her. I, I, well, I, they keep talking about they want to do a Marvel Girls movie. And, you know, have, like, Black Widow and have, like, uh, with a wasp and, you know, have all the mm-hmm. Marvel girls team up. Mm-hmm. Like, Girl Avengers mm-hmm. uh, kind of idea. And, and Expender Bells, as we, as we were once threatened with. And if they ever do that, they got to have Danny Guerrero in there because she would just be amazing. And also, as we saw in Infinity War, she does work when she's yes. put alongside the other female characters. She's the sarcastic funny exactly. one. Exactly. She's the sarcastic one that brings everyone back down to earth. So, yeah. So, at uh, number three, it is is, for my money, the best live-action superhero movie of the year. It's not the last superhero movie of the year, but it's the best live-action one. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Ms. Needham, with final pickings of our favourite t- movies of 2018. What could they be? Well, should we, should we recap what we've had so far? I mean, Let's I'll, do it. I'll have to actually pull the, the list up. Hang on. So at number 10, we had Ideal Home, which was released on the 6th of July this mm-hmm. year. At number 9, we had American Animals from the 7th of September. Number 8, we had Black Klansman, Spike Lee's brilliant true story, produced by Jordan Peele, no less. It was. Lee, yeah? um, which came out on the 24th of August. Number 7, we had Searching. And at number 6, we had Upgrade. Both of those were out on the 31st of August. They really? came out on the same day, would you believe? Yeah. Um, at number 5, Crazy Rich Asians was out on the 14th of September. Number 4, Creed 2, which came out the day before uh, oh no it's not day for Halloween is it it's the 30th of November um, number was it only that recently Creed 2 yeah oh mind you me movies was going so it had to be fairly recently yeah. uh, number 3 we had Black Panther which came out all the way back on the 13th of February this Say year what? I know which of course ties us in brilliantly with number 2 hey with your hips look where you wanted to hit Double tap to release and whip it out again. Okay. Whip and release. And whip, release. Whip and release. You're an actor. Whip, release. Feel the rhythm? Good, Miles. I gotta say, you're amazing, man. 
We're little teens. Me as the teacher who could still do it. You as the student who can do it just not as good. I'm proud of us. Is there something you want to say to me? At number two, it's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. How much did you love this? Unexpectedly, <laughs> I loved it a lot. <laughs> no, because you, I think you said, didn't you, that you, you, you I had, had no, no interest. interest. Yeah, absolutely zero. Especially after seeing the little clip at the end of Venom, mm. which was so out of context, and I was confused, and I didn't know understand. And, and then there's the animation style as well. Yeah. Like, okay, this just looks weird. What yeah. on earth could this be? Exactly. Um, yeah, it turns out absolutely brilliant. Is the answer. amazing? <laughs> um, really, really good. And of course, for you and me, we're both big fans of uh, Jake Johnson. We are indeed. Johnson or Johnston? Johnson. Johnson. Okay, so we're both big Jake Johnson fans. I totally um, forgot to take a picture of myself watching it in the cinema because, you know, he's been sharing everybody's pictures it? on Instagram that's oh done my it. God. Everybody. Well, I do want to go and see it again, so we could. Mm, we could I let's, see. Let's I see what we'll, you doing. We'll take the new gimbal thing, the new gimbal phone holder, and we'll. We, yeah. we can do a snazzy video. Snazzy video. That's exactly what we'll do. We'll me movies it. We'll animate heads on. <laughs> if you've got an animate head, we'll create you an animate head. Thank you. <laughs> it's the best offer I've had all day. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making comments about. No, no, I'm not doing that. Anyway, okay, so uh, into the Spider Verse, which, again, when this was announced about two, three years ago, oh, there's going to be an animated Spider-Man movie. It's not going to be a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's going to come out on Christmas in 2018, mm. which back then sounded like you might as well be saying 2030. Yes. And now it's here, and it's absolutely brilliant. It is. It really is. It's a universe-hopping, timeline-spanning, multiverse-jumping, Spidey adventure that happens to star bloody Miles Morales as Spider-Man, which the Spider-Man fanatics, you know, hardcore, have been amping up for years. They want to see Miles Morales, yeah. you know, get his chance on screen. Tom Holland got cast in the MCU, so we knew that was never going to happen, yeah. or, or won't at least happen until he's had his trilogy and two more Avengers movies. But, well, yeah. you know, as, as it goes. Um, but yeah, I actually think after Into the Spider-Verse, they probably on some level can't wait for Tom Holland to run out his contracts. So yeah, possibly so. Go and get the next 15-year-old Don, uh, Donald Glover to be Miles Morales. I know. That will absolutely happen in about totally four happen. years' time. It will. Four years' it time. It totally will. By the time we're uh, by the time we're celebrating the announcement of Fantastic Four two, they will have cast Miles Morales <laughs> in, uh, in in you know whatever Spider Man Rebirth or whatever it's going to be called or mm-hmm. Spider Man Brand New Day. There you go. Oh, predicting it. You there. heard it here first. Yeah, there you go. Um, loved it. I love the cast. I love Jake Johnson. I love Shamik Moore. I I, I dug uh, Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. Nicholas Cage. John Mulaney. Uh, really big fan of Liev Schreiber as the Kingpin. Actually, yes. didn't even know it was him. No. Most I, of that movie. I didn't. I thought it was James Caan. <laughs> and I can see why. Really does sound like he's doing the James Caan performance. Well, he is, uh, pretty much. Yeah, he is. And that is a creepy-looking guy as well. They've made the Kingpin, for the very first time, I think, look as intimidating as he's meant to. Because yeah. we always have this issue with the Kingpin in movies, because we've had three versions of the Kingpin on cinema screens now. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, not, not cinema screens, because Dead Ends Including Netflix. Yeah, including yeah. Netflix. Including Netflix, we've had three versions. So we had Michael Clark Duncan, who was a about as close as you'll get to the physically imposing side of it. True. We've had uh, Vincent D'Onofrio on on Daredevil, who yeah. really got the the psychological side of it, and really but wasn't got, that imposing. Mm, wasn't that physically imposing? No. Although I absolutely buy that he could beat the crap out of Charlie oh, Cox because yeah. Charlie Cox doesn't seem that difficult to beat up. He gets beat up a lot in that show. Yeah. 
And then you've got this towering behemoth of a man voiced by Liev Schreiber. Loved it. I really loved every minute. I liked Mahershala Ali as uh, Miles' uncle. And uh, Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. Let's not say the character name. No, don't Let's say the character say. name, but she's and brilliant. big ups to, and this got no coverage in the run-up to the release, Lily Tomlin as Aunt May. <gasps> yes! I, she I was great. is brilliant. She's great, isn't she? Like Absolutely. Alfred. As soon as, you know, when you, you're kind of like, oh, I need to place that voice. Who's that voice? Oh, my God, it's Lily Tomlin. <laughs> when, as soon, I'll be honest, as soon as she appeared as well, I thought, is it Jane Fonda? It's Jane, can please be Jane Fonda. Because I can't, you get Jane Fonda, this would be amazing. And then, of course, Lily Tomlin, like, you know what? Next best thing. Yep. Absolutely fine with it. I'll take any of the cast of the book club, otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Candice Bergen. <laughs> Where's Candyberg? Come on, give me some Candyberg. Yeah, Into the Spider-Verse, I thought, tremendous movie. My second favourite uh, film of the year. I was like, these aren't the best movies of the year. They're just the most enjoyable, rewatchable, fun movies of the year. Which, of course, means there has to be a victor. And that victor, of course... Number one. Our go date is in three days. The night of the debate. Now all of our work is worth nothing if we don't move this money in fast. We gotta start thinking like professionals. We're in business together. There's not gonna be some cozy reunion. After this job, we're done. We have three days to look and move like a team of men. The best thing we have going for us is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off. And at number one, it's... Widows! Hooray! (laughs) I mean, it it, just, for me, I don't think it could be anything else this year. In the same way that I think 2014 got inadvertently owned by Gone Girl, Mm -hmm. it was just a... It was a throwback, an R-rated adult thriller. It was unapologetic. It was, here is a movie by grown-ups for grown-ups. It is glossy. It is hyperbolic. It is just this wonderful piece of Hollywood fiction. It is the kind of thing that Hollywood used to make all the time in the 90s that then died out when, I think, to be honest, when the CG blockbuster became a thing. Yeah. You know, we used to get these all the time. And, you know, it's kind of how Harrison Ford had a career outside of, you know, Indiana Jones and things like that. It's the kind of movie you simply don't get anymore, like Gone Girl was. And Widows is just absolute peak performance it is steve mcqueen's heat it is heat meets set it off is the best way to describe it i mean it doesn't quite have a cool song like set it off did but uh, I, I can't i can't even name that so i can sing it and i know it <laughs> please but don't i'm not gonna but, and i know that a lot of x-factor acts seem to perform it but yeah um i really loved it and also oh, yeah, not octavius but i nearly did it again viola davis learn the name <laughs> <laughs> I really need to. Viola Davis, who starred with Octavia Spencer in The Help, and it's not Alfred Woodard. She is tremendous in this. I yeah. think the male cast, because what they do is they stack the, the male cast, particularly the husbands, mm-hmm. they stack that cast with really you know interesting performers like Liam Neeson mm-hmm. and John Bernthal, and then give them about a minute and a half's worth of screen time. These dudes are dead before the credits are finished rolling. Good. So um, I like my men. Yeah, I like my men burnt to a crisp in a van. <laughs> 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 with, a, with a faux Irish-American accent and burnt to a crisp in a van. Yeah. And then you've just got a film that feels like just green and 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 grimy and nasty and at the same time it's got this sense of uh, of agency to the women because obviously it comes from a Lindell Plant novel mm-hmm. so obviously that's been in there since the get-go yep. but the sense of agency these women have in this film is so very now 
it's so very look you know we need we need to to prove that in every sense we are not the equal to men we are better and the film absolutely does that steve mcqueen has never shot a film better than this Mm -hmm. Uh, he really has i mean i think he's a good director anyway but i've never gotten on board with his films i find his films quite rote yeah i found 12 years a slave quite bored i'd seen that done you know at least a dozen times Mm -hmm. uh shame I, I, is something that I actually felt watching Shame. And, <laughs> yeah. And then you get to Widows and the, okay, this I get now. Now I want to see Steve McQueen, the Hollywood director. This is what I want. He is so good at this. And, I mean, on one sense, it is kind of a British film as well. I mean, Daniel Kaluuya's in there, by the way, nice. delivering what might be his best performance to date. He's oh, wow. Genuinely terrifying in this film. Wow. Yeah. The, the, the guy from Get Out who was terrifying for a different reason in Get Out, mostly because he was terrified, is genuinely terrifying here. You will be scared of him. If I ever met this dude on the street now, I would I would actually be apprehensive about being uh, <laughs> too playful about it. <laughs> um, I thought it was tremendous. I, I mean, Colin, Colin Farrell, uh, Robert Duvall, just a great cast across the board, but it all comes back to Viola Davis, who is just tremendous. If it were up to me, she's Best Actress winner for this year. Nice. She won't be. Because, you know, I'm sure Nicole Kidman might get it for the Destro- for Destroyer or uh, or Olivia Colman might get it for The Favourite. But if it were up to me... Stop tweeting me, guys. <laughs> I forgot about that, didn't we? Yeah. Well, you chose that Twitter name. Should have known Years ago. sooner or later there'd be a movie called... Yeah. I'm just going to put it out there, by the way. There is a movie called Lay the Favourite. So just be grateful that... Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought Widows was just absolutely, hands down, the most fun I had of the movies this year. Oh, fantastic. And it's not a fun movie either. It's not like, an, you know, like a laugh-a-minute fun, wild ride of a movie. It's just a really great, solid thriller that I sat there, you know, nestled myself into my seat, and I just enjoyed and I hadn't felt that since I saw Ben Affleck pinning Rosamund Pike against a wall by the throat. There you go. Yeah, which also, my favourite movie moment of 2014, if you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically, what he says to her, which will never repeat on radio. Oh, no. So, yes, Into the Spider-Verse, our number two film, and uh, Widows, number one. Takes a stop, stop spot, top spot. Top slot. Top snot. Top snot. Top snot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, question is, what, what are we going to look forward to next year? Yeah, what's things. coming up? Tell me. I mean, well, yeah. what are you looking forward to next year? Is it Lion King for you? Is it Dumbo? Is it... Uh, oh, not Dumbo. Happy no, Death Day to it. you? Or... It's got to be Avengers. Come on. You're looking forward to Avengers. I am as well. How does Stark get off that spaceship? I want to know. Captain Marvel. Can't uh, wait to see she, that. She can fly in space. She she, she might save him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Captain Marvel's got to come. we got that. And, yes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just going to be really wacky. I'll tell you what I am looking forward to. And this is only a couple of weeks away. Uh-huh. The Upside. Ah, uh, uh, yes, The remake of, of Intouchable, yep. uh, starring Kevin Hart Kevin and uh, Brian, Brian Cranston. Cranston. And Nicole Kidman as well, which ah. seems to have been sort of overlooked. Uh, we've got that to look forward to. Very much looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Favourite, of course, is out on uh, New Year's Day. I recommend that. Uh, if you ever want to see what a period piece version of Mean Girls would play like. <laughs> it does um, sound quite intriguing. It really is. It really is. You're gonna, you just... I think it might be one you might enjoy more at home. Okay. But, because it's, it's not like a popcorn munching Saturday Night at the Movies kind of picture, but I think it's one that, uh, when it, certainly when it hits home platforms, it's, it's just going gonna to boom. Mm-hmm. It'll get all its awards buzz, that bo- awards buzz will die down, then it will hit home release, then everyone will see it, and it'll be a huge thing. And we'll all love it. We'll all love it. Very Death of Stalin, very Mean Girls. <laughs> best, way, best way to describe it. But yeah, it's going to be a big year next year. How to Train Your Dragon 3 next year. Yes. What that to look forward to. Uh, Hellboy gets rebooted next year. 
And uh, I think, have we got another Chucky movie next year as well? Oh, is that when it comes out next year? Oh, no, no, it's a laugh. Oh, no, that's the remake of Chucky is this next year. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's which Charles no one's Fly. looking forward to. No, in which they've changed Chucky's name to Buddy. For oh, have they? Oh, did you not know that? What? What is the point? I know, Just I know. make a different film. Oh, he's, not a, he's not a doll possessed by a serial killer anymore, it's either. It's AI, isn't it? It's AI, yeah. Oh, God's so, sake. Uh, yeah, so all those to look forward to next year. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a great year again. We've got more superhero movies next year than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got... Aladdin! Aladdin's next year, including a, a surprisingly not blue genie. No, he is going to be blue. Apparently that's his disguise. He is going to be blue. Do you know where I... Everyone was reacting to that, that image of Aladdin and being like, oh, I'm not going to watch this because Will Smith's not blue. And my whole thing was, I'm not going to watch this because Aladdin's got nipples. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that's the defining thing about 1990. Because he's wearing a top. Yeah, he's wearing a shirt. I need to see a bare chested Arab boy with no nipples. With no nips. That's Aladdin. Because <laughs> <laughs> Aladdin weirdly had no nips and an outy belly button. Don't know how that worked, but okay. So, yeah, you've got to uh, stick out somewhere. Yeah, Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. That's to come next year. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought? In the meanwhile, that, t- that caps off our uh, our 10 favourite movies of uh, 2018. Don't forget to check out the podcast extras for our honourable mentions and our In Memoriam section, those we've sadly lost this year. Um, in the meanwhile, then, this has been a Candy Store production for Movie Market. I've been Van Connor. I've been Kelly Needham. And we'll be back in 2019. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Podcast Extras. So, yep, even the end of the year, we get Podcast Extras session. I'm just looking at the uh, the people we've lost uh, this year, incidentally. Go on, then. Remind and, me. Uh, well, I'm trying to find someone I've, I've heard of. There's a lot, because obviously you get a lot of filmmakers, uh, a lot of people behind the lines who've passed away. Yeah. Ah, here's, here's one that, uh, this one struck me. This was February the 4th this year. We lost John Mahoney uh, from Frasier. No. Frasier's dad. And that was... Uh, that was really sad because he didn't start acting until he was quite old. Oh, really? He pretty much around, I mean, it was a few years before Frasier, but he was kind of at that age. Wow. And he was in his, I think, mid to late 40s when he started. Well, it can um, happen then. It can. Well, I mean, look at Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman didn't start Harrison acting Ford. until Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, yeah. Um, and, well, I mean, five days later, of course, we lost an actor that I, I really loved, Reggie Cathy. And uh, Reggie okay. Cathy, you, you might remember, um, he's in House of Cards. He's Freddie in House of Cards. Uh-huh. But he's also in, did you ever see Fan Fawstick? Uh, yeah. He was uh, Dr. Storm, Professor Storm, their uh. dad. You know, he's that guy from that thing. You yeah. always know the actor. In fact, he turned up, his final role is in the last series of Luke Cage. Oh. He is Luke Cage's dad. Ah. So, uh, you know, he did get his Marvel role because that's no, what every actor, every actor has to have their Marvel role. Um, the same day as uh, as Reggie Cathy, we also lost Johan Johansson, um, the uh, composer who did such wonderful work, genuinely wonderful scores mm-hmm. that sounded like nothing else. And he did the scores for uh, Arrival, for Sicario, uh, for Mother wow. as well. And uh, yeah, that was that was really sad. That was really sad. And also, he was quite young. I think he passed in his in his early forties, I believe. Uh, David Ogden Steers from Mash. He passed away. It was kind of sad to hear about him as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm still going through this. Uh, I'm still going through the list. You have to bear with me a moment. Uh, Milos Forman. 
Milos Formander, director of... Uh, did you think he directed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Oh, I uh, And from, also did like The People vs. Larry Flynn. But also a film I uh, I adore, a film that I rewatch quite a lot, Man on the Moon, which starred Jim Carrey as... Ah. Uh, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey. As uh, Andy Fo- uh, Andy, Fo- Andy Kaufman. Milos mm-hmm. Forman, Andy Kaufman. And uh, yeah, that's really sad. I think he was, a, he was a great director. He directed, he didn't direct many films very, very often, mm-hmm. but he directed really great films. When he did do it, he did it well. He did. Uh, R. Lee Ermey died this year as well, which I was I was very sad to hear about the loss of R. Lee Ermey. Who's that? R. Lee Ermey is basically, if I just say the drill sergeant, do you know who I mean? <laughs> He, play, mm. he just played the drill sergeant in everything. In everything. I probably do then. <laughs> Only two kinds of people. Steers and queers, which are you, boy? You know the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time. And this actually, if I remember, the only good thing about X-Men The Last Stand was at one point they needed the voice of a drill sergeant and they just went and got Arlie Ermey to do it. And you're like, yes, yes, that's who you get. I always remember him turning up in uh, The Frighteners. He was one of the ghosts. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking Yeah, of. really great voice. Because doesn't his jaw fall off? Something, something like that. He's in the graveyard, isn't mm. he? And of course, Vern Troyer passed away this year. Oh, of course. That was another one. I thought, was that this year? Yeah. Because we're not even really far into the year yet. But yeah, Vern Troyer passed away at 48 this year. I totally and, forgot about that. Yeah, Margot Kidder as well. That was this year. So oh. uh, my first Lois Lane oh. passed away. And I, I loved Margot Kidder. I loved I loved from uh, Black Christmas as well, the slasher movie in oh, the 70s. Of course. Because you never really saw her in much that wasn't... Uh, I mean, in this day and age, you never really see her in much that isn't sort of Superman-related. Yeah, like, yeah. she was in Superman. She turns up in, for instance, things like Smallville and, and Supergirl, playing like other characters because she's mm-hmm. a legacy actor, you mm-hmm. know. They got Dean Cain back. They got to go get Margot Kidder and Terry Hatcher back, for instance. Um, but yeah, but Black Christmas I always remember her for, which is it's just weird that it's a 70s slasher movie and Lois Lane's in it. Oh, well, why not? But yeah, I'm going to go with that. But uh, let's see, who else is on our magic list here? There's a lot, there's a lot of names I don't know. Um, I do check out the list because there's just some absolutely amazing people passed away this year. And uh, I mean, I know we're, all bi- we're pretty much building towards Stan Lee. We know that. We, we know we're building towards Stan Lee for, for my money. But uh, again, John Carter, Craig Zandon... Oh, hang on then. Okay, so Stefan Carl Stephenson, uh, the actor from The Wicker Man, he passed away this year as well. Neil Simon passed away, screenwriter of Heartbreak Kid and Barefoot in the Park. He passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, God, long list. Hang on. Burt Reynolds. Oh, God. Almost oh, forgot. yeah. Almost forgot Burt Reynolds. Wow. God, the number of radio obituaries I had to do for Burt Reynolds. And I generally never saw his last film either. What was it? It was called The Last Movie Star. Oh. And it wasn't released theatrically. I think it went straight to video on demand. It starred him and Ariel Winter. Ariel Winter. Winter. If you've ever seen those pictures of Ariel Winter made up to look like sort of trailer trash. Oh, yeah, with the shorts. Where she's got the short shorts and the underboob and the flame red hair. That's for that movie. Ah. And by all accounts, she was kind of devastated. She evidently formed quite an attachment to him. She was devastated when he passed. Hmm. But, uh, well, I mean, I grew up in the Middle East, so I can imagine the entire Middle East was devastated by Burt. They worshipped Burt Reynolds. Really? They they really did. Because remember that story I've always told you about how the Middle East operates on something of a Time, used to operate yes. on something of a time lag. Yeah, yeah. Because of that time lag, right up until the early 90s, Burt Reynolds was still a movie star to the Middle East. <laughs> he really was. <laughs> like, you would walk past cinemas in, like, 1994 in Alexandria, and you'd see, you know, posters for movies, like, from the 80s, starring Burt Reynolds. <laughs> and they loved him. He was the king of cool in the Middle East. You know, in that same way that Travolta still is, for some reason. Oh, jeez, uh, that is yeah. depressing. 
So, uh, Stanley, of course, passed away this year on, was it the 12th of November he passed away? Yeah. And I was, I was devastated for Stanley because he was the architect of so much of my life and love. It's one of those where you, obviously you knew it was coming because the dude was about 512, but at the same time you were just hoping it would not happen. Many years ago, well I say many years ago, four years ago, Calvin went to a convention, went to the London Comic Con or whatever it was mm. that Stanley was appearing at. Stanley mm-hmm. was 91 at the time. Wow. And I remember Calvin had a lot on and I asked him, like, why are you making the effort? Because Stanley is 91. I, I kind of have to do this now because he won't be around forever. He's 91. Mm. And uh, he had a moment with Stanley that I, I kind of had with Tom Skerritt, which was, oh, my God, he's so frail and old now. I, I almost feel bad for bothering him kind of a thing. And, yeah, that's, that's a real shame because, for me, he was Walt Disney. He was Steve Jobs. Yeah. You know, it's just he was the architect of what I love. You know? It's true. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Spider-Man, Iron Man and Daredevil and all the characters I genuinely love day to day. I mean, we're sat in my living room right now. And we have an entire shelf that more or less only exists because Stan because Lee of did. Stan Lee. Yeah. Sure. Uh, William Goldman passed away four days later as well. And uh, uh, that one struck me as well. William Goldman is one of the original Hollywood writers. This is the guy that wrote, uh, you know, All the President's Men, Butch uh. Cassidy. And, I mean, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. You imagine having that on your resume? You'd be pretty proud of that one. Yeah. Marathon Man. Marathon Man. Is it safe? <laughs> and, and of course, a film. I, I watch over and over again. Uh, it, it gets a lot of play in my house. Misery. Ah. Kathy Bates and James Kahn. He wrote the film adaptation of that and uh, one of probably one of my favourite ever movies. Really? Uh, really, really is. It really is one of my favourite ever movies. I love uh, a condensed capsule thriller. You know, what the yeah. largely takes place within a single location. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Even sci-fi movies, I like them when they take place in a limited location. Snowpiercer, for instance. Yeah. If you want to take it to the extreme end of that. You like Snowpiercer? Have I never mentioned it? You never mentioned it. You never it was alright. It, it was alright, Snowpiercer. <laughs> it was alright, you know. I thought some bits were a bit naff. I'd watch it again. You know. yeah, give, it a, give it another try. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Rowick passed away as well, end of November. Um, director and cinematographer made things, uh, made uh, Walkabout, made The Witches, made Don't Want yep. Now. And... Uh, that was one that I think went down uh, went down like a rock in, in in sort of the film critics world because so many film critics were big fans of his work had been reviewing for most of his career and had interviewed him multiple times. He had a lot yeah. of friends. Uh, we also lost uh, Bernardo Bertolucci, who directed The Dreamers and The Last Tango in Paris. Um. You know the famous Butter movie, and. Uh, <laughs> What else are you going to call that movie? And uh, then, of course, in December, and this one I, I was I was gobsmacked by, uh, Penny Marshall passed yes. away. And uh, Penny Marshall, I mean, wow, hang on, does this list Penny Marshall? Oh, hang on, it lists her as it lists the Exorcist under her name, presumably as an actress. I don't remember her directing The Exorcist. I'm was pre- she in The Exorcist? She, I, I don't know. It just says The Exorcist next to her name. But anyway, she directed A League of Their Own and Renaissance Man. And I love Renaissance Man. I'm a big fan of Renaissance Man. Uh, have you ever seen I it? I don't think I've ever seen it. That is the one where Danny DeVito is an unemployed. I think he's like a marketing guy. Uh-huh. And he's uh, he's made, made unemployed. And he, the only job he can get is as an English teacher in the army. Oh. For like, sure. uh, for like the dumb cadets. And one of them is Mark Wahlberg in one of his first no acting way. roles, right? Because uh, he gets to rap. Because it was like 1993. Sure. Marky Mark. And there's this moment in which he puts the word uh, oxymoron. 
on, mm-hmm. on the board and one of his students, because they're all in like military garb the whole time, mm-hmm. well, they're all in fatigues, one of them just stands up and says, no, no, you can't do that. I've checked the regulations. You can't call me no oxymoron. And Daddy Rito just responds with, no, no, it's oxymoron, schmuck. <laughs> Which I absolutely love. But, uh, yeah, and then, of course, um, last but certainly by no means least, another actor I really liked, uh, Donald Moffat. Mm-hmm. Um, who I was shocked to find out was actually English-American. I just thought of him as American. You you don't know this guy as being mm-hmm. any younger than what seems to be about 60 years old. Okay. Right? He was always square-jawed, grey-haired old man. He was the leader of the uh, the base in The Thing. Ah. Okay. He's uh, Stephen Martin, uh, Steve, Steve Martin's, Steve Martin's dad in House Sitter. He's the president in, yeah. in Clear and Present Danger. He was, a, And also he got my, my very favourite moment in that movie. Um, which was, uh, don't you come in here and talk to me like I'm some kind of junkyard dog. I am the President of the United States. <laughs> Only for Harrison Ford to say, how dare you, sir. <laughs> Love that movie. <laughs> I was just thinking about how much I enjoy House Sitter. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you like House Sitter? Yeah. I've never met another person who likes House Sitter. I like House Sitter. Do you know, that I, 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 as a child, I, I, obviously I was raised, uh, my dad was away a lot when I was a kid, away at sea. And uh, so the only sort of dad figure I had when I was younger was my Uncle Roger, who's a galactic pervert. Ah, and nice. so we had a lot of Goldie Horn movies on in our house growing up. Ah, uh, say no more. Yeah, and I just, I just have this thing where, like, no matter how old Goldie Horn is, Goldie Horn to me is still the sexiest woman in the universe. I know she's had so much work done I now. I was going to say. Yeah, she, she's unrecognisable as Goldie Horn now. Yeah. But, you know, I still have to give props, like, Bird on a Wire era Goldie Horn as just being the hottest woman in the universe. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, House Sitter, for me, is just, it's a brilliant movie anyway. It is a brilliant movie. And I just particularly like that, that final line, that final bit of dialogue she has with Steve Martin, where yeah. he says, like, Oh, I love you, Gwen. She goes, Actually, it's Jessica. Actually. And you start thinking, Oh, it's Jessica. God, I love that movie. <laughs> also, I just love that house. I always wanted it's that amazing house. Amazing house. The greatest house ever. You've never seen House Sitter? Absolutely see House Sitter. You should Sitter. totally watch it. You should. I, I need to watch that. I haven't seen it in years. Do you know, I watched it like about six months ago. Really? It was like on TV. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I've not seen it on TV like ever. I don't. Yeah. I had it on VHS and I just watched it Me too. Me too. Loved it. Oh oh man. So uh, we've gone from the sad stuff uh, fairly well to every talented individual who passed away this year because we lost quite a few. And uh, I mean, it wasn't 2016 bad. Well... But uh, you have to do a real job to be 2016. But yeah, 2016 was like the Grim Reaper. That was a massacre of a yeah. year. The, the Grim Reaper just wanted some overtime that year. True. And true. Uh, so let's look at the films that made our, made the honourable mentions list. Feel free to chuck any of your own in if I miss anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are just the ones I've noted down. And obviously, there's a lot of things here that are like there were Oscar bait, and these were buzzy. These are all great great movies in my mind. Um, some of them, you know, just they are academically possibly the best movies of the year, mm-hmm. but they're not really rewatches. They're not good time movies, sure. and we're all about the good time. We love a good time. So obviously, Three Billboards, for instance, fantastic film, great movie, isn't it? Yep. Just, Absolutely just for that fantastic. moment of what this doesn't, this doesn't put an end to bleep. You know, why do you put that in your news report? You're bleeping, bleep, bleep, bleepy. Well, you know the the hilarious thing is, I watched it on a plane. Oh God. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you know obviously on the plane when they kind of dub all the swear words and I remember text I think I texted you at the time I was you did, texting yes. sort of various different things they said about kind of weasel sluckers like oh, God. Yeah, I, I love those I, I absolutely love those but, <laughs> but yeah three billboards which of course got a best actress uh, win for uh, Frances McDormand quite right deservedly so she's absolutely. terrific isn't it? and uh, also I have a very weird thing with uh, three billboards which was uh, my late aunt was, was very much like that character oh. she she was very much an fu character in that sort of way that Frances McDormand's character is in that movie and one of the last films I got to watch before she passed was three billboards oh, really? and she goddamn loved it oh she absolutely loved it. I mean admittedly I only got her to watch it because I told her oh yeah Peter Dinklage is in this who I went oh Tyrion Tyrion's in this <laughs> I'll watch it then. I'm like, okay, cool. But uh, I love the movie. I hate. Uh, who's the chick who plays uh, Woody Harrelson's wife? Oh, man. Abby Cornish. Abby Cornish. Gorgeous woman. Just absolute smoke show of a human being. But uh, terrible actress. Just terrible. Yeah. Just stop putting her in things. Just. Just stop. I mean, if I go with that idea, if I go with the sort of uh, Jack O'Connell idea that if he's in it, the movie's going to suck, if I apply that to Abby Cornish, I'm going to miss out on some great movies. Exactly. But, yeah, it's a shame. Phantom Thread. That was this year as well. What was that? That was the Daniel Day-Lewis uh, one. This no was... idea. Right. Watch it. All right. I think it will... What Going cold, if you know nothing about it, going cold. Okay. Um, it is, by all accounts, does Daniel Day-Lewis's final role. He has hung up his hat. He has retired. It is about a tailor. It's about a tailor who's sort of a, a, a an off-kilter off, off genius. He's a sort of... Uh, very much has his own process. You don't mess with that process. Okay. He's a perfectionist. Period piece. Uh-huh. And uh, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, so you know it comes with that Oscar-y prestige. Of course. And uh, it's about a relationship uh, he forms with uh, with one of his household staff. It is just a brilliant movie. Daniel Day-Lewis is superb in it. Vicky Creeps, as the household staff member, is absolutely superb in it. Check it out. All right. Um, but learn nothing more than what I've just told you. Okay. Okay. It is absolutely superb. All right. And fine. also, just his breakfast order alone will just have you adoring him. Okay. Okay. I'll say no more. How strange. Case said exactly the same thing to me actually before. I said, oh, just the breakfast thing. I'm like, okay. Saw them. I'm like, yeah, the breakfast thing. You're gonna, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. All right. You, all right. you don't see it coming. It just happens. Like, oh, that's what he was on. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> it's one of those. Okay. Um, the Shape of Water. No, boo. No, you're not a fan. I loved The Shape of Water. I absolutely despised it. Oh, you give me Hellboy meets the creature from the Black Lagoon. No. I'm in. No, no, no. Uh, Lady Bird. Did you see Lady Bird? Not yet. Not yet. Lady Bird. I I really adored Lady Bird. It's on Sky Cinema now, I think. It is. It's one of the December premieres. Yeah, it is. Uh, Saoirse Ronan, absolute just queen in this. And uh, Laurie Metcalf as her mum. Big fan. What's not to love? Yeah, also, it's got Timothy Chalamet outright now embracing his destiny and playing Riley's dream boyfriend from Inside Out. <laughs> Actually who he's playing here. Um, which was clearly what he was always going to be destined to he's become. destined he to play the role. Um, another film I adored this. I thought this was hilarious as well. Uh-huh. I, Tonya. Never saw it. Never saw it. Uh, great movie. Margot Robbie, right? Margot Robbie. What they've done with this one, they've staged it as a mockumentary mm-hmm. slash reenactment. So kind of like American Animals in one sense, only not the documentary element is now just a mockumentary. Right. And it's like Margot Robbie talking to camera. Got as it. That character. And Sebastian Stan. And, yeah, really great movie. And I'm trying to remember the name of the director. Craig, something he directed The Finest Hours. Oh, don't but, ask uh, me. 
Come on. But great movie. Uh, Margot Robbie, terrific in it. Uh, she is admittedly just kind of doing that one American performance that Margot Robbie seems capable of doing. You know the well, one? You know the one? I know the one. The one? The, the one, one that she does in Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah, and, that one. And, and, and Harley Quinn. Oh, that and, one. And Focus. You know that one that performance? That one, yeah. That one, yeah, that. She's doing that, but the film's really, really good. All right. All right. <laughs> right. You were never really here. Right. Was we, I not? Right. We, well, I wonder sometimes. I do. Uh, <laughs> that vacant expression on my face. Joaquin Phoenix becomes the Punisher. Oh. What can I say? Directed by Lynn Ramsey. Uh, it made a lot of critics' best of year lists, but wow. you know, they're going for best films. I'm going for most fun. This is our kind of, you know, these are the great movies. Um, so, Lynn Ramsey, I, I did a, I went to MK3D, I think, mm-hmm. and Lynn Ramsey was there hyping this because Kermode's really all in on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, great movie, really hyper violent, like PTSD stricken, really gritty, nasty film. Mm. Sounds like, good to me. Like, don't watch this as like a you know Saturday Night Girls Night In movie. <laughs> Not really one of you those. don't know my Girls Night In. I mean, I Tanya. I tell you want to use I Tanya for that. Great, you go right ahead. It will be absolutely brilliant. Uh, you were never really here though. I mean, that's that's one you and John watch. All right, that's one you and John watch Friday night over a takeaway. Kind of no, thing. sounds good. Yeah, over a few beers and a takeaway. That's one you could watch. All right, I'm yeah. in. If we still did Man Night together ever, I would suggest it to him. But uh, so Unsane. I've got a hype on the same. Oh, I, st- I really wanted to see this and I never did. I thought this was going to be crap. I thought it's either going to be crap or brilliant. It leaned more towards brilliance in the end. Mm. And the reason it worked so well is because the whole storyline is basically just a girl who's sort of duped into, you know, go, uh, being, uh, she's sort of duped into being admitted to a, a mental Into hospital. sort of surrendering herself. Yeah, she's sort of, in, in advo- in, sort of inadvertently talked into surrendering yeah. herself for this. And the whole thing is, is it all in her head? Is it real? And the film for, mo- for about two thirds of its runtime, I think, does, I know about half of it, about half its runtime, it does manage to keep that, that that bit of ambiguity going. Yeah. It does have to lay the hammer down and actually kind of just commit to one. Commit. And I do think they could have dragged that out a bit longer though. All for right. me, I would have saved it for the third act. This just goes to the halfway point. Sure. But you know, shot all on iPhones and works brilliantly. It's a Soderbergh movie, so you know it comes with some gravitas behind it. I forget the name of the guy who actually plays her possibly imaginary, possibly real antagonist. Mm-hmm. I know he's the dude who's uh, the psycho in Scorpion, though. That's, Ugh, I hate Scorpion. How can you hate Scorpion? Because it's crap. Scor- okay, first of all, Scorpion is absolutely crap. It is. It's terrible. <laughs> it's not even good crap. No, no, it's good crap. It's, it's not good, good crap. Hey, I'm not having it. Hey, come on, it, it's, a, it's a show so unbelievably bad that at one point, I think about a year into it, they just decided, you know this psychiatrist character we've got who's Finch from American Pie? <laughs> Screw it, now he just knows all of medicine. <laughs> That's how bad Scorpion is. I absolutely love it. Um, A Quiet Place, which I know you must have seen. I loved that. Did you love it? Loved it. Please, give me your thoughts on A Quiet Place. I think the thing, well, the the concept of A Quiet Place is that there's been some sort of invasion on Earth, presumably aliens, although it never goes into too much detail, which I think is probably the right thing. And they're blind, but they can hear real good. So the point is that people who are now still survivors on Earth have to be very, very quiet. If you ah, make any noise, ah, they come get you. Ah, you just did it. What? You just did the thing as well. Right, okay, here's the interesting thing. If you ever ask anyone to talk about a quiet place, they can't resist bringing up, even inadvertently, that they're aliens. Well, that's what I said. It's quite ambiguous. Yeah, well, but then really say, everyone it. on Earth. Yes. I just thought, ah, oh, okay, we're going there. Well, they are 
Where on earth, Van? Yeah, okay. How dare you? We don't know that. Anyway, <laughs> the story revolves around a family mm. who are surviving, but it kind of opens with a real tragedy for the family. And it is basically just the story oh, of them so. trying to survive. But what does it hit you? Oh, yeah, I know. That, that tragedy, though, at the beginning. Oof. Oh, my God. I was like, they're never going to do... <gasps> oh, my God, they did. They did okay. it. Okay. And do you know that the embarrassing thing is I took nachos into that screener. <laughs> <laughs> This is the thing about it, though. I mean, there's the obvious gag about how uh, presumably they have to fart behind the waterfall every day. Yes. Like, you have to hold it in, walk to the waterfall. And, and let rip. And then be like, oh, God, that was good. What about sleep toots? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually... did kind of wonder this as I was watching it. I thought, but, but people snore. Like... People snore. I had the thought as well, right? They're living under the barn, mm. right? And they're, 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 it's basically a cellar in a barn, isn't yeah. it? Right, here's my thing. That He's quite resourceful. Yes. Now, they're not that far from a populated area because we see them walk into town, mm. etc. Now, presumably, at some point, they've they've gotten in a jeep, and you know, uh, or, or, or sorry, it'd have to be a hybrid, wouldn't it? You get, it would have to be. Yeah. You get to a hybrid or an electric car and go and find a major city, right? Just for supplies and things, yeah. because the stuff your small town wouldn't need. Yeah, you'd be doubly screwed because it's a small town. Yeah, right. So. Why not just like go off into the city one day in a, in a hybrid or an electric car or whatever and just find any audio retail outlet and just get a load of soundproofing? Well... Just get it. We've got soundproofing in my office upstairs. It's not that difficult. I mean, admittedly, I got it from Amazon Prime. But Probably would have made it a really boring film. <laughs> I think that was the point. Well, that was it. They needed to be able to fart behind the waterfall. Exactly. It's, it's a narrative necessity. Anyway, the point is, it's an excellent film. It's an excellent movie. Emily Blunt and mm. John Krasinski, I want to say. Is it I, I'm Krasinski? going with Krasinski. Krasinski. I'm going with Krasinski. They were a real-life married couple. Yeah. And it works beautifully. Do you know that they are the fan-favourite casting for uh, Reed Richards and Sue Storm in the next version of Fantastic Four? Oh, don't do it to yourselves, because you know it's going to be no good. Well, actually, I'm kind of of the belief that if you did cast them, and you told John Krasinski he could write the screenplay, uh, you maybe. might actually get something good out of it. Maybe, but I think that whole comic book is cursed. You think the whole comic <laughs> You say that, I still think Rise of the Silver Surfer works. Yeah, move on. It's a <laughs> Okay, right. Well, from Fantastic Four to Avengers, then, because this had to come Yay! Up. So let's talk about Infinity War, because we all knew this was going to be big. I don't think any of us knew how big. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I I thought a billion. This crossed two billion. So it was actually twice as big as I actually thought it was. But also, this permeated into pop culture a lot more than any of the other Avengers movies did. Did it? In terms of meme culture. Oh, I guess so. Film Twitter, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Like I guess the so. Thanos snap became There's a, a lot of people that were very attracted to Thanos as well. I find that incredibly creepy. Oh, Daddy Thanos. Thirsty Thanos tweets. Yes, yes, there was a lot of that, wasn't there? And also the uh, the, the, the salt bay, but it's Thanos. Yeah. yeah. But then we've that. also had that recently at Christmas with the Grinch. Have you seen all that? Oh, yeah. Thirsty Grinch cool. tweets. Yeah. People are weird. People are weird. Although I can't say anything because, you know, after Emily Blunt's played Mary Poppins, mm. I, I am kind of attracted to Mary Poppins now. She so. was always attractive, and We just weren't of the age to appreciate that's, her at that's, the time. That's totally what it was, but it's also because <laughs> I know Emily Blunt as a gorgeous, you know, 30-something starlet. True. And now she's Mary Poppins. And I'm like, okay, this is... This, this <laughs> yeah, but you can one. tell she was a bit of a naughty Mary Poppins. Don't. Just don't go there. <laughs> don't go there. 
Oh, man. I'll tell you something. You just know. You know that the minute that film came out, the porn parody was in the pipeline. Oh, don't do it. Mary, don't Mary Nobbins. Oh, no. I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> Mary Nobbins. It happened. But Infinity Harry War. Harry Poppins. Oh. <laughs> That's the pimple popping version. Good Lord. There you go. I've ruined it for you. So Infinity War, which, I mean, the reason it didn't make my favourites of the year is I don't think it's as inherently rewatchable as Black Panther. I, I, I think you're probably right. It's There's so much going on in it. it there's a lot of movie. Yes, there's, there's a lot, lot of movie. But also, unlike Black Panther, which is very seamless, very slick, mm. uh, Avengers Infinity War, and this is an unavoidable obstacle, mm. it has so many disparate and different Chapters. tones yes. and characters that has to merge together. Yeah. That... I mean, for instance, I mean, Peter Quill and Iron Man is never quite as fun as you think it should no, be. No, I was going to say, some of them work and some of them don't. Like, Rocket and Thor. That works. That works. Yeah. Uh, uh, Iron Man and Doctor Strange works. Yeah, that works. You know, but Iron Man and Peter Quill doesn't quite work. Because they're both sarcastic mm. and they they like to be the funny person in the room and, and it just doesn't quite... Like, I don't know, it just doesn't quite work, does it? We had a conversation, we've had a, this conversation a few times over the years, in which I've always said, and this was prior to Civil War and things like that, where I, I'd always turn around and said to you that one of the things they shot themselves in the foot with, to an extent, was mm. in casting Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man and positioning that character the way they did for his first three movies and, mm. the, and the first Avengers one, is that you do kind of cut him off a little bit from some of the wackier, sillier aspects of, yeah. of that universe. Yeah, yeah. So it... Doesn't quite. I mean, the trailer for the new one where you've got like Tony Stark on that spaceship. You think it just seems a bit weird. Like it shouldn't be there. Like it shouldn't work. Yeah. Like that character, him going into space at the end of the first Avengers movie and seeing what he saw. That kind of is about as far out as you want to take that character. Yes. Other than that, keep it in an Avengers movie and it's just an army of robots. That's fine. Yeah. But that character has to ascribe to a certain level of reality. Yes, it's true. And also, then there's the whole you know Democrat Republican Civil War comics to movie ratio thing that I'm not even going to get into but uh, they made it work I was wrong they made that one work (laughs) they made Civil War work I love Civil War I think that's the best of the Captain Americas it it quite possibly is I mean actually no uh, Winter Soldier I think is too good it's too good Winter Soldier I love Civil War and I'm I'm a whore for anything with Tony Stark in but true that yeah but the conversation we had a long time ago was that in the comic books the whole uh, uh, the whole dynamic was that Tony Stark was uh, you know depicted as being quite a Republican-ish character mm. and that Iron Man had become kind of a Democrat. But in the movies, Tony Stark's Robert Downey Jr.'s version is quite a liberal character now. Yes. So the whole Republican angle isn't quite... Well. They got around it by basically giving him survivor's guilt. Yeah. So, which is fine. It, it, it worked absolutely well. In fact, it might have worked better. But, uh, yeah. So, that that Overall, good film. Overall, great movie. I don't think anyone saw the ending coming. <laughs> <gasps> oh, I'm still not over it. It almost took me as long to get over that as it did for A Star Is Born. Oh, well, we're going to talk about that in a minute, don't worry. But, <laughs> in fact, do you want to do A Star Is Born now? Yeah, let's do okay, it. Okay, let's just do A Star Is Born now. So, uh, what did you think of A Star Is Born? I thought it was heartbreaking. I thought it was mind-blowing. I thought it was... No, it was those too things. much for me to watch again anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I will be watching this again. I think this next week. Um, I think Bradley Cooper. I genuinely an apology to. I mean, I, I really do. Uh, this mm. is this is Bradley Cooper as the actor. A lot of critics have always claimed he is. 
that I have somehow now I've just never seen it. Yeah, but I understand why you've never seen it because he's hidden it behind a lot of really bad role choices. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think he needs to give up on the whole David O. Russell thing. This, yeah. you know, American hustle, uh, silver linings kind of thing. That's yeah. Oh, oh, Dave, you got another movie? Oh, because it's been two weeks. You got another movie? Okay, cool. Yeah, I could do with the best actor nomination. You know, just that. Yeah. Oh, 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 is, is Jen involved? Okay, yeah, I'll do that. You know, that. Yeah, I'm just I agree. Not in- I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick of the sight of Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence on screen at the same time. Definitely. But, um, but The Star is Born, it turns out not only can he be a really great actor, and it was a great performance, very gruff. Oh, it was just... It was a voice He was, like this, he was so it? attractive, and yet physically probably the least attractive <laughs> he's ever been on screen. Also, I know this is neither here nor there, but how hot is Lady Gaga? Well, I that always knew she was beautiful hot. beautiful woman. I always knew she was hot because as soon as she stopped with this whole I've got a telephone on my head, I've, you know, got a meat dresser. My, my undercarriage is made of bacon. Yeah, exactly. As soon as she stopped with that and you could kind of see what she actually looked like, you know, it's very obvious she was beautiful. But she was still annoying as hell. Really? So oh, annoying. I thought she was great. I thought oh, she was no, really I mean great. in real life. Oh, I can't oh, okay, bear yeah, the woman. Well, but I've in not seen, this... I've not seen her in American Horror Story, FYI. I mean, obviously, but... She's fine in it fine fine, but pretentious does she still look like she does in like Star is Born but she looks like her human self oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. but you know blonde slick black hair she's a vampire okay but it wasn't as much of a surprise for you then what she physically looks like okay exactly but she does come across as a right douchebag and she did in all the press for A Star is Born as well proper douchebag but you totally no. forget that it's her in this film and you fall in love with her you say about the douchebag thing I've saw that over I think was it a Cannes or Venice or one of the film festivals where they're all at the tables it's like B. Cooper <laughs> L. Gaga yes. you're like oh fuck L. Off. Gaga <laughs> her title's not lady <laughs> I'm sorry. Is this the thing? Is it, is it, is it D. Judy Dench now? Is, it, is that what we're yeah. going with? Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah, Star is Born, tremendous. He can direct the shit out of a film. Oh, can't he, he can. Like, I mean, I mean, he's learnt a lot from his buddy Clint, obviously, but. Well, uh, you know. yeah. And I will say this I am very, very glad that we did not get the Clint Eastwood Beyonce version of this instead. Oh, God, me too. No interest. No interest. I'd be about as interested in that as I was in Jersey Boys. I think, you know, unfortunately, you know. and I think Beyonce is a fantastic artist, but she ain't no actress. Well, that's it. I mean, we'll see if Lion King can prove us wrong, shall we? Well, but, yeah, uh, but it's different. It's a voice as well. It is, it is, yeah. Less less pressure. Let's see what else we've got. Hereditary is on this list. Ooh, that was a nasty oh, one, wasn't it? You, I remember, because you didn't see it for about a month after, did you? you no, te- I had to go on my me. own, yeah. You text me, oh my God, I saw Hereditary and holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ended up oh, having to go man. and see it on my own in the middle of the day. Like yeah, well, that know, was this fun. is when you go and watch these kind of films. Did you have that a friend of mine who's a marketing rep for Warner Brothers? She had this experience at Cineworld where mm-hmm. she went and saw a film in the middle. In fact, it was Don John. It was the ah, movie Don John, yeah. uh, which I think is actually one of their one of the Warner Brothers films as well. She sat in an empty screen on her own. (laughs) She's an attractive woman. She's like, you know, mid-twenties. She's uh, really into her fitness. Blonde, gorgeous woman. Uh Sat on her own in the middle of the cinema. And I think uh, she said about uh, 20 minutes into the film, empty screen. Yeah. Not small screens in Sydney World and Sheffield. This random, creepy-ass guy just enters the screen, comes and sits about two seats away from her. Oh, no. Oh, man, that is the worst, especially during that movie. That is definitely bad movie choice for that kind of thing to happen uh, as well. Yeah, I know, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so, Hereditary. Hereditary. <laughs> Tony Collette was amazing. I thought, was it Nat Wolf who's in that? I think it's Nat Is it Nat Wolf? Wolf? Not Alex Wolf. One of the oh, two. It's a wolf. It's a wolf. One of the wolves. There's a wolf boy. There's a wolf boy. There's a wolf boy. Yeah, wolf boy's very good. That creepy little girl. Oh, I know. 
Oh. God, yeah, she she terrified me. She oh. she really had because she just had that. It, it was all in the eyes. She it's all had in the a, eyes. A yeah, piercing gaze that she knew how to weaponize. Exactly. And the weird thing was, that, you see her in real life, though, and you know, just, yeah, she's you nothing know. like that. I know, yeah. nothing like that. Like, wow. Okay. Absolutely transformative performance. I don't even know the the young girl's name. I can't remember. We no. should know that. As we well. should. We should. Uh, let's see what else we got. This is one you probably haven't seen. Lean on Pete. Lean on Pete. Lean on Pete. Starring, no. starring Charlie Plummer and Steve Buscemi. And, uh, right, full disclosure about this movie. Okay, I did a very, very stupid thing. And the day after my aunt died, I went back to work. And uh, I wasn't in the best frame of mind. No. And I saw Lean on Pete. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to... I waited three months after this film and then watched it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I had to be sure that the movie was as good outside of my emotional state at the time yeah. as, as I remembered it. And yes, it absolutely was. Did not help, incidentally. The plot of this movie is about a sort of a boy with no one else to turn to going on a journey to track down his long-lost aunt, his strange Aww. aunt, with a, ho- not good with, with a horse who's about to be put down. Oh, no! Yeah, yeah. So this uh, this was the movie. It's it's a hard watch at times, but it's absolutely terrific. And I thought the f- I mean I was I was in floods of tears the first time I saw it. And yeah, I can for imagine obvious, for some obvious reasons. And uh, I watched it again three months later, and I was right back there weeping. Aww. I mean, there's there's a moment in this with Steve Zahn of all people. I love Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn is in this briefly. And we need more Steve Zahn. We do, we do. He will reduce you to rubble. He really will Aww. in this. Um, let's see what else we've got. Disobedience with uh, the Rachels. The Rachels. The Rachels, uh, Mrs. Uh, McAdams and Vice. And, uh, of course, Alessandro Nivola. Best movie of Alessandro Nivola's career, and he's been in some good movies. Mm. Uh, Rachel McAdams can play British quite well, it seems. I love her. She's I love so her. underrated. She really is. So underrated. We had this conversation before, though. Ten, uh, you know, If she'd come along sort of five years earlier, Rachel McAdams would have been a bona fide movie star. Yeah, probably. She really, I think she just missed the cut because the, the Hollywood industry went through that phase and we just didn't make stars out of women for about ten years. Yeah. There were no... We, we can't just let Sandra Bullock have it for ten years. That was kind of it, you know. Now we're, we're sort of getting that, getting that right now. Getting know. there again. Looks like Tessa Thompson might actually become a thing, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to Men in Black International. <gasps> it looks so good. <laughs> it does. Speaking of uh, Rachel McAdams, can I throw one in? Go, go. What you got? Game night. Oh my god! Yes, forgot about game night. <laughs> oh yes, game night. Love game so night. So good. And she's good in it. And she's amazing in it. She, she really... I mean, this one's saying about... I think I said it when we were talking about um, disobedience before. She can do the out-and-out comedy. She can mm. do the wacky, you know, ridiculous comedy. And she can do the absolute serious drama, rip your heart out. She can. She know. can do a notebook. She can do, she a, can notebook, do a notebook, indeed. Yeah. But the thing with Game Night that I think is why that works so well is because... They they just cast her amazingly well opposite Jason Bateman. Yes, the two of them work as, as those characters, you know, admittedly. But in terms of how they are generally perceived, yeah. In terms of what we consider to be their average role mm-hmm. and the average performance we get from them, and I say average, the, the most regular, most often often seen. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying there's anything average about either. No, I know but, what you mean. Uh, they they line up so perfectly. Like, yeah, they do. You absolutely believe that's a couple in reality. Yes. 
because you you can imagine hanging out with those people. Because on the face of it, when I saw be. yes, <laughs> but on the face of it, when I knew it was those two as a couple, I was like, oh, oh yeah, here yeah, comes yeah, Hollywood yeah. again, casting young beautiful woman with older schlubbier male. She's not though, is she? She's not as young as she looks. No, she, but she looks, looks young, she you is, know. Yeah. But they do, they really work, yeah. and they're hilarious. And then Poundland Matt Damon, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> you mean uh, oh, what's Jesse Plemons? Jesse Plemons. I watched Vice last. Last night with him in. Oh, really? Yeah, he's in. He's in Vice, oh. and uh, which is a good movie with some issues. Sure. Just as long as it's a good movie with some issues, it's not sure. the big short, you know. Oh, but uh, mm. which I loved. I don't know if it appealed to you. I, I wasn't that cute. Um, but yeah, I thought she was great in Game Night. I thought Game Night was a great movie it's in general. I'm ashamed I left that off my list. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. How dare you? Also, I really love. Uh, oh, is it Winston from New Girl? Lamorne yes, Morris. Yes, Lamorne Morris. Morris. Yes. Um, and I forget who plays his partner in it. And that whole storyline they have about the dude who may or may not be Denzel. Oh yes, I love that. God, and I love when uh, Chelsea Peretti turns up. Yes. Oh, it's just it's just brilliant. Oh. And Sharon Horgan, is it? Oh, the, the yes, Irish yes, Sharon Hawkins in there. And it's the only movie I have ever been able to stand the presence of Billy Magnuson in. Oh, that's the young guy yeah. that's... Yeah. Do you know he's in Aladdin? Oh. He's Aladdin's rival for Jasmine's Affection. Oh, no. They've added that in. Like a rival suitor, they've added that in. It's Billy Magnuson. Ugh. I know. That guy had a whole Bruce Lee movie made starring him. No. You know, that Bruce Lee biopic that was actually about Bruce Lee's white mate. Uh, you know, because that's what I think of when I think of Bruce Lee. I wonder if he had any white friends. But uh, someone someone took that thought and made a movie out of it. It was goddamn awful. And he was uh, awful, isn't it? Birth of the Dragon. More like the stillbirth of the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's see. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbour? That was this year. Oh, you loved this, didn't you? I loved this. Um, because, and it is something that I admit will not translate uh, as emotionally to a lot of people in the UK. That's what I think. I think that's the problem. We don't really know him that well. But I think if you just watch the documentary and you just take it on its own merits, mm-hmm. I think it tells just this beautiful, moving story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say much more about that. There is a, the, Tom, the Tom Hanks narrative version coming in which Tom Hanks shall play Fred Rogers. And uh, perfect casting. He was Mm -hmm. just the most lovely man. And the documentary goes all out in just saying, you know, this guy that was always depicted as being the loveliest man in the universe, he actually was the loveliest man in the universe. that's always nice, isn't it? Because it's normally the other way around. (laughs) He really is. Um, We had some great documentaries this year. Studio 54 was this year, which I thought was a, a really fun documentary. Just... Good soundtrack. Oh, of course, it's got a great soundtrack. <laughs> uh, three identical strangers this year as well. Which, oh, I really oh, want to see this. God, you really sold this to me. It was so good. R- just... Remind people of the concept. So this was the dude who goes to college, and this was in the late seventies, early. He goes to college, and on his first day, everyone seems to recognise him. Women are coming up to him and hugging him and kissing him, and guys are coming up and like high fiving him, like like they know him. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's good to see you again. He has no idea what's going on. Turns out he has a twin brother he never knew about, separated from at birth, who had gone to this college the year before and then dropped out. Insane. The pair of them then became a media sensation, only for it then to come to light that there was a third brother. What? I know. It's insane. And, and at one point they went to Studio 54. Ah. ah. There you go. But really just a great documentary and just a really bizarre story. Uh, back to Game Night a second. There's a moment in that movie towards the end when Michael C. Hall turns up. Yes. And he just looks so much like James King. It's sort of like... <laughs> 
I went. I think I saw the screening, and I literally I was walking out of the. I was at one, but I was walking out mm-hmm. of the building afterwards, and James King was next to me. And I was just looking at him, just like sort of weirded out. Were you in that? And he, no, he had, and he had no idea why. He's like, "What?" I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it, it's nothing, nothing." <laughs> um, so yeah, um, sorry to bother you. I think is our uh, our final contender for this year. What? So, uh, sorry that's the final one. That's our final honourable mention that I've, that I've got on the list. We, we can talk. We can talk more. We can spit more, more. But uh, sorry to bother you. I thought it was just an amazing movie. And this is the guy that works in the call centre. Yeah. Who puts on his white voice. Puts on the white voice. Yeah, puts on the white voice. And it was just absolutely brilliant. I thought it went to very extreme places. Hmm. Very, very extreme places. I thought Army Hammer, sorry, Army Hammer, did an absolutely brilliant job in this uh, really sleazy, send up your own image kind of role. Yeah. Uh, you know, the same kind of thing that Gal Gadot tries to do in Wreck It Ralph. Oof. You know, I'll just send up the fact that I'm hot and that's it. Yeah. You know, I'm hot and I'm funny. But that's really it. And uh, I, thought, uh, I thought, really great movie. I just, I mean, directorial debut for Boots Riley. It's got Tessa Thompson in it, which is always an immediate extra. Always star. good. Um, yeah, I was a big fan. Any other movies you can think of that you want to talk about for this year? Mate, Bohemian Rhapsody. Really? Okay, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody was very good. It was very good. That's an yeah. excellent film. It's not a Freddie Mercury biopic. Yeah. It's oh. the Queen film. It is the Queen film. It's the Queen film. Which is so weird, because for all those years, the Queen were trying to make it the Queen film, and we were all arguing back with... No, no, no. It needs to be the Freddy movie. Nobody gives a shit Nobody about cares Queen. about you, Brian May. Nobody cares about Roger Taylor. Yes. And then the movie comes along like, actually, I kind of just wish this was all Queen because it's more fun that way. Exactly. And also, I'm still not quite over that moment. You yeah. You know the moment? I do know the moment. I think I might be bisexual. No, Freddy, you're gay. Like, oh, okay, we're doing that. Are we okay, that's that's fair. Um, shocked Twitter didn't explode. I know, I know. Yeah, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. There's lots of problems with it. Yeah. Lots of problems with it. No, yeah. and as, as I said, I think before about the fact that Brian May is just the most wonderful, perfect, awesome human being in the world. I mean, yeah. pff, where did that come from? But it's a brilliant film. Extremely enjoyable. It, you will have your toes tapping. You will be singing along. You'll get emotional and sad just at the thought that, man, this guy's not here anymore. No, no, no. You know what I mean? That final that 20 final minutes. That final 20 minutes. Oh, my God. Oh. Amazing. We, we, amazing. We watched it. We had it on as a family uh, the other, on, on Boxing Day. And uh, we sort of came away from it at the end thinking... Uh, yeah, we, we all sort of agreed, yeah, the, the Queen stuff is better than the Freddie Mercury stuff. Yes. Rami Malek's great, though. We can't really Yeah, he's brilliant. Him. And also, that final 20 minutes really does sum up the fact that whenever you think of Live Aid and you try to picture Live Aid in your head, mm-hmm. you think of Queen. It's true. Mm. It's, it's totally true. And I had true. never considered that until Bohemian Rhapsody. You do think of Queen as being Live Aid. Yeah. Despite the fact that, as we're told in the movie, every bug is there. Yes, <laughs> yeah. true. Also, you know, I think I reviewed it with Paul Ross, I think. Uh-huh. And uh, he asked me, he's like, oh, has anyone play any of the other famous people? And I'm like, oh, well, they did cast a George Michael at one point. And they, did they? They cast one, and he's, he's removed from the film. Like, he's, his scene's obviously gone. Surprised they didn't um, get Taron Egerton to make, like, a cameo. They could have done that. That would have been they? awesome. They really though, could wouldn't have they? done that. Like, because <laughs> they would have been like makeup testing at that point. Yeah, exactly. But um, the thing for me was they got someone to play Bob Geldof, and they cast him so obscenely well. Oh yes, he was on screen for about thirty seconds, and I just wanted to strangle him. So I thought, yeah, he's and also when he was on screen, obviously he was kind of. And I genuinely thought 
it was Bob Geldof. <laughs> I genuinely thought that that was just a clip from Live Aid until it sort of panned out and you saw it wasn't. I thought, oh, wow. There's this directorial trick, and I'm not sure if it's one of Brian Singer's or if it's something that Dexter... I've actually, that, let's talk about that a second. Mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody does not show the signs of being the production mess that it was supposed to be. Oh, yeah. For no, a, it doesn't. Yeah. You're right. For a movie that had its director sacked and replaced, yeah. something like a quarter, a quarter of the way before the end, mm-hmm. so like three quarters of the way through, it doesn't show. No. It doesn't feel like a messy film. No, it doesn't. You're right. It, it feels to me that where I came away thinking, I wish it would have just gone that little bit deeper. I wish it had allowed itself to be a little bit longer and gone a little bit deeper with some of the other characters as well. I think that was what I kind of came away with. But I didn't think, oh, you can tell how the things have been sort of changed or chopped or... I kind of like... I you feel know what like I mean? With Freddie in particular, I wanted to see more of his relationship with Mary. Definitely. Because there's a lot of stuff in there that... For instance, she gets a boyfriend at one point and we never really get to see what effect that has on the relationship. Yeah, it's true. And I'm, and I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued yeah. if he feels pushed out. Yeah. Or anything like that, because we never get to see that. And it would have been a great moment for how isolated he feels at one point in the story. Yeah, and you get... To, it's to like hints, that. that's what I'm saying. You, mm. It's sort of like, you know, dances on the surface, and you're like, I want it to go that a little bit deeper. I want to see a bit more of that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, fantastic film. I'm going to chuck in Early Man this year as well. Um, Is that the... The Aardman one. one. Never saw that. I didn't expect anything from that. My friend Sav was visiting me for lunch. He he was in London and uh, he had some time to... I think he was having some insurance thing or something. He was having Mm. some insurance physical. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was was done. I was on lunch and I had a couple hours for this screening and I was was having lunch with him. And I thought, oh, I'll just just text the PR guy and see if I can bring a friend along. And Sav and I went to see Early Man. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know it was about football. No, I didn't. I didn't. And Sav is a big football fan. Sav I hate of, football. No, no, but Sav's dragged me along to my share of Arsenal matches over the years. Blech. And uh, only football team I can tolerate, to be honest. Because sure. they're actually good. Anyway, um... <laughs> neither here nor there. Anyway, we sat and watched this, and we just laughed ourselves senseless. This, It was a very funny film. Yeah. And the trailer, don't, I don't think, does it justice. But the the actual film itself, I think, is actually really funny. Mm, but, if you say so it, you've got nephews it's it's kind of thing your yeah. nephews will put on That's and true. you'll, you'll sit there and, and you'll tolerate it and then you'll find yourself laughing along with it mm. like, it will wear you down yeah, all right. it's one for Auntie Kelly speaking of kids films go on what you got oh, I'm going to give it an honourable mention I don't think it was absolutely amazing you know blow out the water although I did end up seeing it twice at the cinema Incredibles 2 I wasn't overly in love with it. I enjoyed it. In fact, I think I reviewed it quite well. I think I reviewed it quite positively, and I mm. think as more times gone by, I've uh, I've fallen a little bit less. I've fallen a little bit out of love with it, and I think I do feel like a lot of it is retreading. Mm. There's a lot of let's hark back to the. First but I think I think that's why I probably enjoyed it. There's enough nostalgia. I think for me, it's because I lived through The Force Awakens, what, three years ago? Mm-hmm. And I had to sit through every gig. I mean, do the remake of A New Hope. And you're like, well, no, it's actually not because they, they advanced the story. But what everyone accused The Force Awakens of being mm. is actually what I think Incredibles 2 is. Possibly. I actually think Incredibles well, But I think you're going too deep into it. I, I am. I'm absolutely going too deep into it. <laughs> oh, my God. Keep it more on the surface. Holy God. I just realised this was this year. Okay, what? this would have been in my favourites of the year list had I known it was out this year. Is this your Hannah? 
No, no. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we need to we need to address that. Yeah. So every year we have to bring up on John Colson's insistence that uh, in 2011 I left both Drive and Hannah off my best of the year list. You fool! I know. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll bring it up every year for the rest of time, John. No, the death of Stalin, was this uh... year, which I goddamn loved. And I really think Jason Isaac should have had a lot of best supporting actor love for this movie because mm-hmm. he's so good in it. And a lot of his career kind of got overshadowed afterwards because he was on Star Trek and you know, Star Trek Discovery and that was a big deal. And, mm, true. And he was great in that and also got to kind of play a villain. Sorry if you've not seen it. But um, yeah, Death of Stalin. Yeah, if you've not seen it, it's pretty obvious, to be fair. That Jason Isaacs is going to be a villain? Yes. Did you see Star Trek Discovery? I've seen probably about the first three episodes, something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's quite clearly going to be a villain because yeah. he's got a nasty piece of work. Yeah. Yeah, the Death of Stalin by Armando Iannucci. I just loved Rupert Friend, Steve Buscemi. Uh, oh, who's the guy that we don't talk about anymore because of Me Too? Oh, Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Yeah, just, just a great cast. <laughs> I'm going to put one on there. This is a crap movie. Go on. Right, right. Really crap movie. On every level. Uh-huh. But it's so gormlessly stupid about it that you kind of have to respect it and go along with how goofy fun it is. Uh-huh. And this... <laughs> I feel almost bad saying it. This is director Rob Cohen's The Hurricane Heist. <laughs> oh, what on earth is that? <laughs> we all see this. Oh, my God. Right. It is literally... Did you ever see that movie Hard Rain with Christian Slater and Morgan Freeman? Uh, in like 1996 no. it's like a remake of that it's just like a group of diehard style bandits try to rob the federal reserve whilst this small town is being evacuated during a hurricane it stars toby kebble as your sort of scientist lead oh wow it stars maggie grace as the cop lead and the villain is ralph einson it's awful. It is on every level. It is conceivably awful. But you love it. I I love it. I really do. And of course, it ends with you know people jumping between two lorries during a hurricane because <laughs> it, it's got. Also, it's got one of my favourite tropes of, uh, in in films the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed this in the last few years, but uh, the films and TV of late have uh, fallen in love with the idea of completely unfathomably logistically impossibly hot female computer hacker who for some reason always dresses like she's going out clubbing oh yeah you know she, oh, she works, at a key, works at a keyboard all day but she has six inch long fingernails you exactly. know the one that's yeah. the one yeah master can, can type 600 words a minute but she has six inch long fingernails mm-hmm. her yeah that big 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 thing in movies now it is and hurricane heist amps this up to a level that the macgyver reboot can only dream of oh wow it really does. And she comes in like she has literally just walked out. She's doing the walk of shame home from the club. <laughs> and then she's doing the... Di- and it's meant to be a surprise as well that she's a villain as well. They do that whole diehard thing where, you know, certain staff members yeah. are in on it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That, yeah. She's like, you know, she's there. She's the IT support guy. Nobody thinks it's odd that IT support sent this girl to the Federal Reserve having <laughs> just come from the club. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds ridiculous. It is ludicrous. You'll love it. It's complete shite. You'll absolutely love yeah, it. I love me some shite. Can <laughs> exactly. I throw one in? Go on. Anna and the Apocalypse. Oh, yes. I, well, I got you into this, didn't you I? You did. You oh. did. Just, if you, if you don't know, if you've not seen Anna and the Apocalypse, just load the soundtrack up on Spotify mm. and, and have a whale of a time. 
And this is the story of a girl. She's she's at school. She's kind of about she's to go to uni. Yeah. yeah, about to go to uni in some sort of little Scottish town. Yeah. And she's feeling very disconnected from the world. She's not sure of her place in the world <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And her best friend's in love with her. You're adding real psychological depth <laughs> to this. Yeah. And basically, the zombie apocalypse happens. At Christmas. At Christmas. It's at Christmas. Yeah. And it's a musical. And it's a musical, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, just the, the songs. Um, I'm miles away. Yes. Yeah, she sings I'm miles away while she's the world's walking down falling the apart behind it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. I thought a great riff on that Shaun the Dead uh, yes, sequence. Definitely. I Love Dogs was this year. Oh, I've still not seen which, that. Which uh, I thought was tremendous. Um, possibly my favourite Wes Anderson movie. I mm. don't know. I, I like Rushmore a great deal. Fair enough. And of course, The Grand Budapest Hotel, which I think is tremendous. Uh, but I Love Dogs, great movie. Big fan of that. Yeah. I'm going to throw in. Go on. Bit of a curveball. Yeah. Ant Man and the Wasp. Loved Ant Man and the Wasp. Really I would, enjoyed it. I, I'm a bit bitter about it, though. Why? Well, because I'd really rather have had it when it was supposed to come out rather than six weeks later because football. Yeah. Yeah, which I think was a really shitty decision. And I think whichever marketing exec made that decision over at Disney needs to seriously assess their life. We are British. We do not stick around the World Cup for too long anyway. What was the goddamn point? (laughs) I mean, we were out of the World Cup for something like three weeks before Ant-Man and the Wasp started previewing. To which you then sort of think, well, could have told you that one in advance. Uh, Don't take it out on the film. No, the film is great. But uh, another one I quite like, Mm -hmm. uh, Ready Player One. I'm not a big fan. This one divided people, I yeah, think. Yeah, I, I think I'm did. in the boo camp. Were you in the boo camp? I was in the boo camp. What about, what about blockers? Did you like blockers? Loved blockers. Loved blockers. Loved blockers. <laughs> I never got to see Chappaquiddick because it got released, I think, kind of like VOD in this country. Yeah, I never, never got to see it. I was looking forward to it. I like the story, though. Mm-hmm. The, the story intrigues me. Uh, Rampage was a bit of fun, I thought. I liked Rampage. Yeah. It's it like a bit like Hurricane Heist, although I'm sure this is much better. It's crap, but it's enjoyable crap. <laughs> and it's got that brilliant sort of element of Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Dwayne Johnson having a sort of man off. Yes. <laughs> you know, just squaring up and manning off against each other. <laughs> it was very exciting for me that moment. <laughs> I think you're fine, cowboy. I'm manlier than you. No, you're not. You know, I, I thought that was really great. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Oh, I'm not even going to mention the, the remake of Overboard. Good lord, that was terrible. Oh, life- oh I'm going to argue with you. I didn't mind it. You're a sick human being. You know that? You are a goddamn <laughs> sick human being. But you know I loves me some crap. You are psychologically unhealthy. I didn't mind it. What about Life of the Party? With uh, Melissa I, I, I quite liked that. I liked that a lot as well. I quite liked that. Full Velocity! Yeah, I think I... That's, that's joined my bank of movies that I yeah. put on when I'm falling asleep. That I don't mind having on in the background because I don't really need to watch it, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, true, true. It's joined that. Where did you sit on Deadpool 2 in the end? I was very disappointed in Deadpool 2. It's was, fine. It was fun, it was fine. It's uh, fine. I, I was a bit let down at the side of the first movie, mm. and also I think it was too unnecessarily touchy feely yeah. for what it needed to be. Yeah. Which I don't think works with Deadpool. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really controversial though and I'm going to chuck in a film that I, I really loved more for the experience of watching it than, than actually watching it All right. but I then got to revisit the film with my mum okay. and uh, she loved it and so I, I can only imagine she's kind of the demographic for this book club yes yeah 
I uh, <laughs> sat in a room full of old people to watch this. It was I a love me an old people comedy. It was great. I love me. It was me. really great. It, I love me and it's complicated. I, yeah. Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. Yeah. Love all them. Yeah. Old people do. movies. And this kind of felt like the all-star Avengers or Fast Five of those <laughs> movies. Because it just had all of them in. Yeah. You had Jane Fonda, you had Diane King, Candy, Brandy Bergen. You know I love me some Candace. And uh, who was the fourth one? Uh, oh, oh, Mary Steenburgen. Yes. Mary Steenburgen and Craig T. Nelson. The parents. Craig T. Nelson. The, from The Proposal. They were the parents. Which is an the amazing film. Which, of course, we all know is Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds' finest film each. Definitely. We, we all know that. 100%. In which he. Well, how does she describe him? An Alaskan Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about that scene with Betty White when she gets Sandra Bullock to be sort of dancing around to, the sort of campfire. Uh, to the window. To the wall. To the wall. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we've had this year. Oh, God. We've had some stinkers this year. Go on then, let's have a few stinkers. Let's have a few stinkers. Okay, I'm going to bring up uh, show dogs. Oh, I still don't know how it ends. I went to a viewing with uh, a couple of kids and we had to leave about 10 minutes before the end. And it's like, oh, I'll never know how it ends. And every time people point out to me, you could just Google. I'm like, I'll never Mm. know how it ends. They they remade Superfly this year that was was Uh, a real stinker. That was, wow, you kind of missed the point of the original, didn't you? Mm. Um, Of course, there's Aquaman. Aquaman. I've still not seen it, but it it does look terrible. I'm going to throw it in and I don't care. Wreck It Ralph too. Yeah, Stinker. I, I didn't, didn't rate it. Didn't rate Stinker it. Stinker for me. Uh, Gotti obviously has to be brought up as one of the worst <laughs> movies of the year. Oh my god! Okay, so first of all, Gotti, which is partially funded by Movie Pass, hmm. yeah, and is directed by Kevin Conroy, aka E from Entourage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can, you know, you smoke it. Feel free. It's fine. We were in podcast extras. You can smoke away. Um, <laughs> directed by E from Entourage, and literally opens with John Travolta staring off the Brooklyn Bridge and then turning around to face camera and breaking the fourth wall and it's just like I thought you were going to say breaking wind but <laughs> it probably would have been more entertaining probably would have yeah. <laughs> can I ask where do we sit on tag I I quite liked it and I understand the issue that you had well there were a few issues that you had but the one around there's a, I mean so come on let's go into film. spoilers but there's a big piece that lays on they pretend to have a miscarriage well they, don't, they, pretend, to have a, they pretend to have a pregnancy and then a miscarriage uh, yeah exactly it's, and it's really dark and you're just like and it is dark is but I generally I, I love Jake Johnson I think that's the thing I, I no, love him. no I'll go with that in terms of stinkers Death Wish Bruce Willis's Death Wish what was this? oh this was the remake of Death Wish directed by Eli Roth and starring Bruce Willis. All it right. was bloody awful. And and this it, it didn't get really I don't think it did get released in this country, but Peppermint, starring Jennifer Garner, was basically the same goddamn movie. I've heard really good stuff about Peppermint. Oh no, I don't know who the <laughs> hell you heard it from. I've, I've, I I watched it knowing that it was meant to be awful. Uh-huh. I'd seen a lot of reviews and read a lot of reviews. Uh, largely by American critics. Same movie, which uh-huh. stars Jennifer Garner, yeah. and it's by Pierre Morel, who directed like Taken, right. and has directed no other good movies whatsoever. <laughs> he directed Transporter <laughs> 3, which I think everyone agrees is the worst Transporter movie. But uh, even the reboot of Transporter is better than Transporter 3. Fair enough. But uh, And that stars Ed Screen. You know, not exactly Who's a high... That? Oh, uh, Ed Screen would be... I villain think... in the first Deadpool. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As the Transporter. Um, he, I always confuse him with uh, Nicholas Holt. Mm, yeah, I can see why. They're yeah. probably about the same age. Yeah. Nicholas Holt, by the way, in The Favourite. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, is he in it? He, he's in it. He's got oh, this... Okay. 
he's kind of out of place because he's got what's basically a Blackadder character to play. Yeah. You know that yeah. Blackadder of the third episode where the Prime Minister's in it? Yeah. And he's like a spotty 15 year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, tougher sentences on geography teachers. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of playing that kind of character. Yeah, sounds quite fun. And he's, he's the leader of the opposition. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, worth checking out the favourite just for Nicholas Holt, I think. But, Can I throw uh, in a stinker? Go on, go. I'm pretty sure that was this year. A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, how much did Ava Devaney drop the ball on the whole uh, black filmmaker making amazing epic blockbuster what? thing? Yes, Because totally. it, really, it really looked like we were going to have the year of that. Totally. Because she, was it a month after Black Panther? Something like that. She was that. the first black female filmmaker to, to direct a movie with a budget of more than 100 million. And, and it was a Wow, okay, this sure as shit ain't no Black Panther. It was so bad. Like, nothing about this works. And it, I don't, well, I don't even know if it could have. I don't know if there's anyone that could do that story and and make it interesting. No. Because it just isn't. There's there's no way. The story is, it needs, the story needs stripping down. Mm. It needs certain parts of it ditching entirely. Yeah. And no, I mean, it was really bad. At least they got rid of the religious undertones of the original book. I wouldn't know. I've never read the original book. Oof. I mean, I wikied it, but I've never read it. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I was a big fan. I'm going to put this in the, in the good list of honourable mentions. Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado, I thought mm. was quite good. Didn't expect it to be. Soldado. I didn't expect that to be good, uh, any good at all. Remind me, what does Sicario mean? Well, according to the actual tagline for the movie, Sicario means assassin. <laughs> And the actual tagline for the second one is Soldado means soldier. <laughs> so expect a third movie that's going to have some random uh, Spanish language term, and then it's going to be, the tagline's going to be Spanish language term means you know, blah, blah, survivor, blah. isn't it? Like <laughs> oh, the first purge. That was this year. That was quite good. First purge. It I wasn't a that. purge movie, though. Did you think? It was a good film. It wasn't a purge movie. Yeah. Where did we sit on Skyscraper? I couldn't sit through it. Could you not? No. I'm going. I'm sorry. Fair. Sorry, fair. the rock. Can <laughs> so, we still call him that? I think you can. I mean, I just call him Rock. Rock. Right. Okay. There's two films I did, I couldn't put in my uh, my top ten favorites, but I did really like them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have academically rated one of these as one of the best movies of the year. All right. In fact, the Hey You Guys online critics poll mm. eventually tapped out with this as the choice for the year. Okay. Mission Impossible Fallout. I enjoyed it. Which I loved. I thought it was great. crap. Mission Impossible films are crap, but enjoyable. I just think that the the, the Fallout is a great movie, but I don't think it's got much in the way of rewatching. I've seen it twice since theatrical, Mm. but I just don't think it's got much rewatchability. So I'm not like... The other ones I'll watch more or less every time they're on TV. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll see a bit of like MI3. I'll watch this through. I saw a bit of Ghost Protocol on, I think, Boxing Day or Christmas... I might be on Christmas Eve, I think it was on. How festive. And I thought, that's just a good time. But, uh, yeah... I just I yeah. don't think Fallout's got the rewatcher busy. I know it is basically the Mission Impossible Universe's version of uh, Spectre, but it does go some ways to proving that you can do Spectre well. Yeah. Yeah, because Spectre's I, I don't out. know whether I have a soft spot for it, just purely because I watched it after Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> Maybe that, we did, didn't that we? did sway me we did. somewhat. Oh, God. If we'd ended that day. By the way, stinker. Mamma Mia 2. I don't know if I caught a stinker because it's a vast improvement on the first one for me. Oh, uh, no. No. Stinker. All right, good one. Teen Titans go to the movies. Never saw it. Very good, very good movie. Never if they'd done it in live action, it mm-hmm. would probably redefine the comic book genre. Mm-hmm. All right, stinker for you. The what? Darkest Minds. 
What's that? Oh, God, this thing was awful. Okay, so this was a Fox movie that came out two months after the original planned release date for New Mutants. Okay. Right, which was that X-Men horror movie, that team... That's coming out next year, right? No, it's not. No. No, it has no confirmed release date whatsoever. They pulled it twice. Ah. And it's now currently sat in limbo. It would have come out before Darkest Minds. And the really fascinating goddamn thing about it is they are basically the same movie. So Darkest Minds is... Uh, Bunch of kids Teen Mutants. Teen Mutants, but they're not officially X-Men. Mm. Yeah, it's it's based on a YA novel. It is complete crap. I'm trying to remember who the star of this was. It was a Mandla Stenberg. Oh, uh, you know, Mandla. Of, of The Hate You Give. The Hate You Give, by the way, film I absolutely love this year. Honourable mention. Um, Darkest Minds, less so. Yeah, much, much less okay. so, I would say. Uh, I did quite enjoy The Spy Who Dumped Me, though. Um, I didn't mind it. Didn't Again, mind crap. It. Not a great Absolute movie. Absolute crap. Yeah. Yeah, and if you actually think about it too much, you're like, what on earth <laughs> Don't is think this? About any yeah. of it. It's terrible just, if you think about it. Just enjoy it, just as a surface level. Nah, <laughs> funny. Terrible one for you, Billionaire Boys Club. Oh, yeah, oh, it did not God. look good. Did you you look didn't watch good. it? Oh, I, no. prom- I promise you, actually watching it is 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 hysterical. Uh, it starred Ansel Elgort and Taron Egerton as the you know the, the members of the, the original like real-world mm. uh, Billionaire Boys Club, and Kevin Spacey as their... Uh, their benefactor and the whole weird thing about this was this got a release after the whole Kevin Spacey thing oh, really? sort of kicked off because the distributor who had it I'm trying to find who the uh, distributor is on here hang on it, Vertical Entertainment whom I'm pretty sure once they saw the reviews for this quickly just considered changing their name to Horizontal Entertainment because <laughs> that's probably how they were laid afterwards um, it, it was genuinely terrible but because they bought it for a song and, you know, they're not a big label. They have to make their profits where they can. They mm-hmm. insisted. You know what? He doesn't have a huge role in the film. Let's just see if we can release it anyway. People like Ansel Elgort. The problem is, everyone knew it was a Kevin Spacey movie. And, Mm-mm. yeah, it was It was bad. I mean, it was a bad movie anyway. It would have been terrible if, you know, a Kevin Spacey thing hadn't happened. True. Uh, good one for this year, by the way, The Meg. Ah, uh, yes, of Quite course, The, the Meg. Meg. Yeah. Um, what about new one, mm. Mary Poppins Returns? Good movie, very good movie. Honorable mention, <coughs> honorable mention, me. totally. But uh, I think I didn't like it as much as you. But I was the same with Beauty and the Beast. A lot of people loved it, and I wasn't as keen. And I don't know if it's like some in, internal loyalty to the original or something. I but. blame it on your dad. I blame my dad for many things. Uh, one of the worst movies of the year uh, as well. I'm going to give to The Predator, which was just ass. <laughs> Oh my god! Just ass. I mean, could you, just just think about it for a second. How hard do you have to screw up to make Alien vs Predator Requiem look like a halfway decent movie? In contrast, yeah, pretty bad. Pretty I bad. mean, re- to make Alien Resurrection look like a good time. Oh, I mean, that takes genuine skill, and they actually fucked the Predator up. I mean, through development interference, development hell, you know, meddling, production troubles, all this stuff, mm-hmm. test screenings, reshoots, everything, and they mess this thing up so hard that it genuinely makes AVPR look accomplished. AVPR. That's what it got paraphrased as AVPR. It made that movie look accomplished. In contrast, oh, another one I'm tricking on the good. Pile for this year, though. Go on, then. A simple favour. I still not watched it. Still not watched it. Right, not an amazing movie, mm. and boy, does it want to be Gone Girl. Yeah, really well, you could tell that girl. from the trailer. But I will be honest with you, 
I might be in love with Blake Lively because of this movie. Oh, wow. Because she's just my fantasy human doing <laughs> this. And, and God, I, mean, I dread to think. Oh, God, she's a piece of work. You know me. You know I love me a psycho. <laughs> you know I love me a psycho. I particularly love me a gorgeous psycho in, you know, a pencil skirt, a, a waistcoat, nothing else, and, for some reason, cuffs. Oh, sure. Yeah, actual shirt cuffs. For no reason. She wears this all under a blazer, so it looks like business wear, and then she sure. takes the blazer off, and it's just like, it, it's insane. I love her so much. Red leather driving gloves. Red leather gloves. Red leather, yellow leather. Oh, and I, I'll be honest, I was watching the movie thinking, oh, my God, what I wouldn't give to just have a slap me across the face with all those gloves. But, uh, oh, man, enough, we'll move on from your deranged enough about, enough fantasies. About my, yeah, my psychopathy. Uh, let's see. Oh, one of the worst movies of the year, Life Itself. What was that? <laughs> Start Oscar Isaac, uh, Mandy Patinkin, Olivia. Oh, this is the one oh, we talked about last week. Yeah, technically, oh, actually, technically, week? this <laughs> is cheating because it's not out in the UK until the fourth of uh, uh, January. Yeah, it's going to be on Sky. It's going to be on Sky as well. So yeah. Oh, oh, oh! One I'm checking on the good list. Okay. Right. I only watched this for the first time the other night. Mm-hmm. Assassination Nation. Oh, I've heard really good things. Oh my god! I've heard so really, good. really good things. This is a female. Yeah. Sort of. Centric. Mm, I'm trying to think how to describe it to you. Imagine, if you will, right, <laughs> the Purge and Mean Girls smashed together. Nice. I- imagine that. You know the burn book element of, yeah, of Mean yeah. Girls. Yeah. Imagine if you if you use the burn book element and it caused the Purge. Nice. That's basically Assassination Nation. Genuinely terrific movie and first uh, feature film from direct from uh, former actor Sam Levinson. Now, Google him as I tell you this, because right. when you see him, you're going to go, oh my God, him. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been an actor in uh, oh, a couple of things throughout the last 20s. He was sort of, I think he was a child actor who became a teen actor, and then you will know him as soon as you see him. Oh. Exactly. See, yeah, him. He has directed this. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has done a damn good job. In terms of uh, decent ones as well, I'm going to chuck Night School on there because it was nowhere near as bad as the It was movie. fine. It was fine, wasn't it? it was fine. I guess. And what one I want to do, because this wound up... They did a Metacritic kind of poll mm. uh, where they took the films with the worst scores of the year mm-hmm. and they labelled them as the worst movies of this year. And this made that list and I was genuinely offended by it. All right. Because I had a damn good time with this movie. Hellfest. I've still not seen it. I'm absolutely desperate. This is the one that takes place at the the yeah, um, like carnival theme park. type. Yeah. yeah, this was like the slasher movie. Absolutely desperate to see it. Yeah, this got something like twenty six percent on like Rotten Tomatoes, so it made like one of the worst of the year list. You're like, how? It was a pretty good movie. I had a good time oh, with it. I always said about hate you give. I was I had a big fan, big uh, good time with that. Big fan. Uh, Beautiful boy isn't out till next year. Halloween, I thought was a good time. Still not seen that. That was a good one. Uh, see what else we got here. So obviously the IMDb list is uh, American. Uh, oh, Hunter Killer, one of the worst movies of this year. Hunter Killer. Hunter Killer. Right, I missed this on theatrical. Uh huh. Okay, had an award screener. Chipped it on over Christmas. My mum was very into it because oh. Jared Butler. Oh, we'll say no more, Gerald yeah, Butler. <laughs> and here's the thing. I watched this, and I was paying attention. I didn't take my phone out or anything. And about half an hour into it, I, I took my phone. I tweeted this, actually, which was, I have no idea what the goddamn plot of this movie's going to be. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like, Gerald Butler is a submarine captain who takes control of a submarine to go and do some subbing. That's all I've got. And somewhere on the line, the Russian president needs saving. 
I think sure. that's... And Gary Oldman's in a conference room yelling at people. Oh, Gary Oldman. But, yeah, oh, it's a paycheck movie for Gary Oldman, you know. I think most of his he, are these days. Well, I mean, he got his Oscar this year, so... Yeah. Actually, can we chuck that on the bad pile? Go on. Darkest Hour. Yeah. Because I thought it was crap. Well, I've not seen it. It just... I, I literally cannot bring myself to watch a film about Winston Churchill. I'm sorry. Towards the end of The Darkest Hour, they've, they've put this moment in. When he's on the way to Parliament to give the speech, you mm. know, the speech that the, the entire speech. trailer is built around. Mm-hmm. So on his way to go and give the speech. And what happens is he's trying to make up his mind whether or not to do it. And he gets on the tube. Because, you know, that's exactly what Winston Churchill would do. Gets on the tube and the tube gets stuck or something in the tunnel. And he... Or does it? Or is it just... I think it's just travelling or something. And he gets chatting to all the people on the tube. And they encourage him. You know, we're British, we've got the fight in us, don't worry about us. You go and, you go and take on Hitler. You're like, oh, fuck me sideways. <laughs> just, just give me a break. Yeah, that's I mean, oh, Come weird. on, Gaz, we'll give, you, we'll give you the statue. Just knock it off now. <laughs> just end the film. Yeah, I mean, oh, good Lord. But yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. Nutcracker, I didn't think was bad. There's Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Yeah, I didn't think that was bad. I do want to watch it, I'll be honest. Yeah. Girl in the Spider's Web was better than I thought it was going to be. This is the sequel to... Rebootful. Uh, a rebootful. Rebootful, because technically it's part four. It, it, Did we get two it, and three? No, we didn't. Uh-huh. And more confusingly, at one point in the film, they do mention events from two and three. You're like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> but I pres- I mean, apparently the plan was Sony were going to do this one, which is the fourth book, which is written hmm. by a different dude. All right. And uh, the whole thing was, oh, we're going to do this one. This is our reboot call, and then we might go back and make the other two. You're like, why bother? Why bother? Nobody gives a shit. No, Nobody wants you to do that. That's so strange. I mean, I don't think anyone showed up to the first one you did. I mean... Well, I remember going to see that first one with Daniel Craig was in it, wasn't it? did you see with me? I don't know. But, I think well, we all went that Christmas. If you... Well, when I tried to go and see it, the cinema broke. <laughs> 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 and I saw it as a real omen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I still yeah, went back and I did actually see it in the end, but I thought, wow, that's a real omen right there. Did I ever tell you about the time I went to see Skyline at the cinema? You know, you know that movie Skyline with the sky beams? It's got Turk from Scrubs in it. No. Like, they're partying in an apartment building one night, and then the next morning they're woken up in, like, Independence Day-style spaceships all hanging over. Ah. And they're shooting, like, a, 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 a blue beam. They have, like, a blue sky beam, and if you look into it, you get sort of taken over and you float into the sky. Oh, right. Right. They did a sequel to it that's actually really goddamn good. Oh, really? Right. They did a direct-to-DVD sequel. I'll get to the actual story in a minute, but they did a direct-to-DVD sequel that I was on a train back from London uh-huh. one day, and I had it on my iPad, and I was shit-faced. Of course, um, it's you. Yeah, yeah, of course. You're on a train. I was, uh, I was quite drunk, and because uh, well, I didn't have to drive back from the station for a change, so I thought, "Hey, you can drink." So I, uh, I had a few drinks on the train whilst watching uh, Skyline. I think it's just called Skyline Two, and <laughs> which which stars Frank Grillo, and, nice, and Eko Ue from The Raid, nice, <laughs> right. And the movie was actually really goddamn good, and within about ten minutes. I'd been knocked for six by this actually being half decent. <laughs> so I started tweeting about it. Uh-huh. And I sort of just like real time tweeted about as I was watching it. And the director of this movie, a guy named Liam O'Donnell, just started getting in on it. No way! He actually started joining. I'm like, holy shit, this is fun as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like the time that we watched uh, Big Ass Spider. Big Ass Spider and Mike Mendez was tweeting us. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Good times. We have weird luck. But no, when I saw Skyline, it got towards the end of the film and... Uh, they were setting up for the big climax, mm-hmm. and I think the main character looks into the sky beam or whatever. And at that moment, 
all the power went off in Cineworld. Oh, no way. sirens started blaring. And I briefly thought it was part of the film. I was like, oh, my God, this is... Immersive. This, I thought, yeah, this was a nice trick to pull. And no, it turned out there was a fire alarm. We need to be evacuated. Small graces. Yeah, I think. Oh, that was it. It was the day before I had to review it as well. Uh, and I think I actually had to do the review with. Look, I'm going to be really honest. I haven't seen the last ten minutes. Of I this haven't seen because, the end. Yeah, the last just like me and Show Dogs, we'll never know. I think you're better off. <laughs> but while I am tricking on the good pile, go on then. Overlord. I don't. Oh God, I, I loved Overlord. This is the one we were told for a while was going to be like the fourth Cloverfield movie. Oh, okay. It wasn't, yeah. but uh, what it was was a damn good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like uh, Allied soldiers in World War Two trying to like set up, trying uh, trying to lay the ground for D Day, the D Day invasion kind of yeah. thing, and uh, only to find out zombie Nazis. Zombies. Zombie I remember Nazis. reviewing this now. Yeah, loved it. Great fun. Sounds good. It's even got a young Kurt Russell in it, played by Kurt Russell's son. Yeah. Fantastic. Big fan. One of the worst of the year. Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, that needs to go on the stinker pile. Oh, my God. Ugh. Right, best quote on that came from Calvin with It's This Generation's Episode 1. Yeah. Yeah, to- totally in Leave on that. Leave it there. Um, I'm putting Robin Hood on my like part because I actually really liked it. I know I'm an outlier. I haven't but... seen it. I don't judge. Looks terrible. It's arrow. But, yeah. It's just Arrow. Yeah. Period piece Arrow. Sure. Which is kind of hilarious considering what Arrow actually is. Uh, but yeah, Arrow in the Apocalypse. That was. Uh, I already that mentioned weird, that one. We, we mentioned it. I'm just agreeing with you. It was. Uh, it was a good one. I liked Arrow in the Apocalypse very mm. much. I think I reviewed it with you, and then literally on the drive home, fired up the soundtrack on Spotify. And, and... literally, as you were going home, I think I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I think you did, didn't you? I certainly did that evening. Yeah. You did because you texted me a couple hours later, going, "Oh my god, Arrow in the Apocalypse is so good." Yeah, that's why I was still watching it. I was like, "This is so good. I'm gonna have to text Ben." Oh god, it was good. I was a fan of that. Uh, let's see what else. Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, Bumblebee, I quite liked a lot more than I thought I was going to. Sure. I mean, the first genuinely great Transformers movie. And it it's was, a low bar. They've got to do some of it with half decent. It is quite of a averages. low bar. Well, yeah. <laughs> Mother of God. 2018 movies. The list actually includes on the 20th of December Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Does that count as a movie? I have no idea. I haven't watched it yet, regardless. So. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, so that's that's the list. That's really. 2018. That is 2018. What, what a year. year that was. Yeah. Huh. I mean, how many movies did we have to sit through with Miles Teller? Oh man, I can't even think of one. Oh, thank God for that. Okay, I'm calling it a good year then. <laughs> I'm calling it a good year. We got rid of Miles Teller for a bit. That's, that's a win for me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, tune in next year when presumably there'll be a film star in Miles Teller. No. But, uh, actually, you know what we have got next year that I'm looking forward to? What? A Private War. That's the uh, uh, Paul Conroy oh, and Marie. Oh my, my God, friend what was her Paul name? Conroy, Marie Colvin. Colvin, that was in there. Uh, Rosamund Pike, because mm-hmm. like, I loves me a Rosamund Pike movie. And, God, um, how could I forget that film? It's on Facebook constantly. Some got... friends of Paul Conroy on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I really am. But uh, it's Jamie Dornan playing Paul. It is. It? Yeah. Oh, see, see the only the only famous Paul I know is Paul Ross. So, and no one's no one's playing Paul Ross in the movie. I might. I mean, I would love it if they did. I'd love to see a Paul Ross biopic. <laughs> but I can't imagine it would like, you know... Probably the only one. Sorry, gonna, Paul. It's not going to be like a BAFTA winner. But... It might be an interesting Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Quite possible. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, those are our uh, movies for next year. And uh, for this year. And uh, next, tune in next year when there's more movies. So, yeah. All the movies. All the movies. In which case, here it is. Your moment of cage. Dear Hummingbird. 
Break out the fine china, chill the lemonade, tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. Cause this boy's coming home to his ladies, coming home forever. I just hope I'm not a disappointment to Casey or to you. Love, Cameron.